Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. The Ford F-150 truck drives smart design forward. The standard 12-inch productivity screen helps you get what you need done too. And the available pro-access tailgate improves access to bed and cargo and utilization of the bed, including when towing a trailer. Together with a wider bumper step, it's easier to access the bed and load in tight spaces. An available Pro Power onboard serves as a mobile power source, providing up to 7.2 kilowatts of power to charge a bed full of electric dirt bikes or run an entire job site worth of tools. I'm still driving my 2016 F-150 truck and 90,000 miles in. As long as I keep it clean, it honestly still looks brand new. I've taken it down snow-covered forest service roads, taken it out camping, put a ton of miles on it on the freeway, had five adults in the cabin for long trips, and it's been great everywhere. Super dependable. I still love the way it looks, nice and rugged design, but with a super comfortable interior. And I'm still very happy with the quality sound system and heated seats. And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. QAnon and Antifa, that's who we're sucking today. Two groups of extremist thoughts, one typically associated with the far left, one typically associated with the far right, both blamed for a lot over this past year, including inciting violence, especially regarding the storming of the U.S. Capitol building this past January 6th. QAnon says left-wing Antifa extremists did it to make them look bad. Antifa says QAnon did it all by themselves. So who's right? And who the hell are the people who belong to these groups? What do these two groups believe? That's some of what we're looking into today. QAnon is a group that emerged from a series of 2017 posts on the image board website 4chan by a mysterious figure named Q, who claimed to be a figure high up in the government who knew about all sorts of evil shit being done by the deep state, including child sex trafficking, harvesting adrenaline from frightened children to fuel elite satanic sex rituals, and replacing murdered politicians with clones. An industry of Q influencers and interpreters followed, bakers, who gobbled up Q's breadcrumb drops and broke down Q's cryptic messages on YouTube and other platforms. And though a lot of them differ in background and political beliefs, they all seem to agree politicians and elites are in a global and satanic sex trafficking cabal, and Donald Trump will be the one to stop them. Antifa is an anti-fascist leaderless collective that makes itself known whenever anyone they consider a fascist or at all associated with the far right or white supremacy comes to town using a variety of tactics, including pressuring venues to shut down, and in some cases, looting and straight-up violence, Antifa emerges and acts on the belief that if they don't fight fire with fire, they're simply going to become victims of intolerant nationalistic fascism down the road. Both of these groups have drawn a lot of media attention over the last year. Both groups have been interesting to look at this past week. Today, you will learn about the history of both Antifa and QAnon. One was born in Europe over a century ago, the other was born on the web just a few years ago, and both have clashed violently several times in recent years, and both groups have been pretty quiet since January 6th. Let's now deep dive into arguably the weirdest moments of an extremely weird past year and more in today's extremist tinfoil hat neo-Nazi punching Pizzagate 2.0 edition 
of Time Suck. This is Michael McDonald, and you're listening to Time Suck. You're listening to Time Suck. Happy Monday, Meat Sacks. Thanks for returning to the Cult of the Curious. Thanks for keeping this crazy train on the tracks. I'm Dan Cummins, the Master Sucker, Mush Mouth Mafioso. Q. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm Q. Mystery solved. You got it wrong, HBO. It was me the whole time. The old 4chan, 8chan master guy, the, the Q guy, me. Hail Nimrod Lucifina. Glory be to Triple M. Praise be to my favorite Q Baker, good boy Bojangles. He's in on it, too. Recording again in the Suck Dungeon out of Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and it's fucking nice out. I have a sunshine boner. My wiener wants to catch some of those sweet, sweet rays. Uh, check out the new 420 merch at badmagicmerch.com if you haven't already. So much other fun stuff. Thank you again to our Patreon Space Lizards for allowing us to give $13,300 to the Bad Magic Productions Charity of the Month, the St. Bernard Project, a.k.a. the SBP. Still helping those in Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana as they continue to work on their recovery from that brutal winter storm that hit the South, Uri. Go to sbpusa.org if you'd like to learn more about this great volunteer organization. And that's it for announcements. You can tell I was burning through them. Chomping at the bit to get into some conspiracies. A lot of show to get into today. Uh, Time to head on down to your underground bunker war room. Face the wall of dates and names and theories. You have connected with String. It's Antifa and QAnon o'clock. Just who are these two extremist groups? Who are their members? Let's find out. May Nimrod guide us through the legion of weeds we're about to walk through and let us not get lost inside of them. So why am I uh, putting QAnon and Antifa together into an episode? Uh, Because I'm a masochist who hates getting a normal amount of sleep. Also, they have some things in common. They're both run by extremists, uh, sometimes commit violence, generally are the subject of a lot of uh, misinformation and misrepresentation in the media. Also, they are somewhat ideologically opposed. And when the U.S. Capitol was stormed on January 6th and QAnon was blamed, a lot of the blame was deflected to many, or by many, excuse me, to Antifa. Their stories have been intertwined in many, many ways. So, you know, we felt it made sense to look at uh, both of them at the same time. Uh, So what is QAnon? QAnon is a conspiracy cult involving so many things. But mainly, as I said in the uh, opening, you know, elite leftist, satanic child sex trafficking slash human sacrifice slash adrenochrome harvesting rings. Well, really one ring. And the one man thought to be able to expose and destroy this deep state cabal, uh, former President Donald Trump. It's a lot to take in. (laughs) What is Antifa? They're often portrayed as the globalist Skeletor to QAnon's He-Man. They are seen by QAnoners and many others as leftist radicals who want to burn America to the ground and replace our freedom-loving capitalist society with some sort of communist wasteland reminiscent of Pol Pot's Cambodia, Stalin's Soviet Union. QAnon is associated with the far right, Antifa associated with the far left, but those associations are not entirely accurate. They are both really their own things. There are plenty of people on the right I would argue the vast majority who think QAnon is utter nonsense. I would argue that a lot of people on the right despise QAnon more than people on the left because it, uh, you know, brings a lot of embarrassment to their kind of political belief system. There are also members of QAnon who seem to politically identify more with the left than the right. There are also plenty of people on the left, I would again argue, the vast majority who do not support Antifa. Uh, Not sure many Antifa members identify as conservative, but some might. We don't actually know who many members are. 
Uh, in today's suck, I'm going to first lay out an overview of the origins of Antifa and who the modern organization seems to be first. Then we'll lay out an overview of QAnon. Then we'll go into a timeline that covers the origin and growth of the QAnon conspiracy while also touching on several Antifa incidents and events. Uh, today we'll be talking mostly about QAnon, but not because of any slant towards an organization generally associated with conservatives, just because there is a lot more info out there about Q than there is about Antifa, and that info is frankly just way more interesting. It's about as out there and titillating as it gets. <laughs> a global satanic pedophile cabal where they fucking harvest adrenochrome. Uh, an Antifa-only suck, in my opinion, would be pretty short and not comparatively as interesting. Hard for any subject to compete sheer what-the-fuck entertainment-wise with claims of political elites and celebrities and uh, a lot of other people engaging in widespread satanic child sacrifice. So let's get started. Perdictionary.com. Antifa is defined as a left-wing political movement made up of various autonomous groups that opposes fascism and other right-wing ideologies, often through militant protest tactics. I also found on the web fascism, fascism excuse me, defined as a governmental system led by a dictator having complete power, forcibly suppressing opposition and criticism, regimenting all industry, commerce, etc., and emphasizing an aggressive nationalism and often racism. Antifa members campaign against actions they view as authoritarian, homophobic, racist, or xenophobic. Supporters generally seek to stop what they see as fascist, racist, far-right groups from having a platform to promote their views, arguing that public demonstration of these ideas leads to the targeting of marginalized people, including racial minorities, women, and members of the LGBT community. Antifa is less of a centralized movement and more of a loose movement of activists whose followers share, uh, you know, philosophies and tactics. One of those philosophies is violence. They believe that using violence is justified because of their views that if racist, racist, excuse me, or fascist groups are allowed to organize freely, it will inevitably result in violence against marginalized communities. So it's essentially self-defense. Uh, unfortunately, violence associated with Antifa is often not, or at least is portrayed as not, being directed at fascists and instead directed at random businesses surrounding various protests, which hasn't made the group popular with a lot of people. You know, like people who own businesses, uh, properties, don't want to see their property or business destroyed. People confused by how trashing a random Starbucks is somehow representative of standing up to fascism or racism or really anything at all. Uh, when they do attack racist, racists, gosh, saying fascist after racist always makes me want to put race, race, like fash. Uh, when they do attack racists or so-called fascists, uh, many still think they're in the wrong. Some people don't support Antifa members attacking any other protesters for any reason. Antifa members, however, believe their violence morally justified. According to Mark Bray, a history lecturer at Rutgers University and the author of Antifa, the Anti-Fascist Handbook, Antifa's argument goes like this. The argument is that militant anti-fascism is inherently self-defense because of the historically documented violence that fascists pose, especially to marginalized people. This means that violence they enact is justified because they believe the far right would inflict violence, uh, you know, more violence later if they didn't fight back. So it's, it's kind of a best defense is a strong offense, preemptive strike mentality. Antifa's made their presence known at protests around the country in recent years, including at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia in 2017. Kind of. Uh, Antifa is much more of an ideal than it is an organized group. Right? There are various groups aligned with the ideals of Antifa, like Portland, Oregon's Rose City Antifa, founded in 2007. And then there are various Facebook groups and Twitter accounts, et cetera, that have Antifa somewhere in the handle. Uh, but there's no cohesive national or international organization. So it's, it's hard to assign them credit for very much of anything. Like we talked about how loosely organized the anonymous hackers group was last week. 
Antifa is even more loosely organized. At least with QAnon, we can trace its origin to 4chan in one account, or at least primarily one account, you know, somebody posting his Q or a small group of people posting his Q, you know, the, the group could rally around a single voice or the appearance of a single voice. There's no such equivalent with Antifa. Antifa has no Q source. Uh, Antifa also has a lot more history to it than QAnon. To look at what Antifa is today, we have to go back to Europe in the 1920s, uh, where this movement based, you know, on political principles started. So Antifa is short for anti-fascist. Antifa, by definition, is against fascism. So that's, you know, that's cool. Uh, is anyone really in favor of fascism? Uh, I don't think that many people are consciously in favor of it. I hope not. I like to think not. Uh, I do think there are a lot of inadvertent fascists out there. Uh, fascism now, according to Quizlet.com, is generally defined as a governmental system led by a dictator having complete power, forcibly suppressing opposition and criticism, regimenting all industry, commerce, and emphasizing an aggressive nationalism and often racism. Emphasizing aggressive nationalism and often racism. Uh, many nationalists are, in my opinion, inadvertent fascists, right? Hate nationalism, always have. Uh, love patriotism, hate nationalism. Dictionary.com defines nationalism as identification with one's own nation and support for its interests, especially to the exclusion or detriment of the interests of other nations. It's that exclusion and detriment part that I find uh, unsavory. It seems like a lot of the love it or leave it crowd, people who proclaim to be some of the biggest patriots, don't know the difference between patriotism and nationalism, and fascist dictators love those people. Fascism is perhaps best known as a very authoritarian system, often with the dictator at the top position of power, and usually designed around central planning by experts chosen by said dictator. It's an expansive governmental system where the leadership chooses which people get to make money from industries, which people are elevated in their fields, and more. Government leaders and a few powerful industry owners and intellectuals become rulers and form an oligarchy. What makes a fascist state not a communist dictatorship like Joseph Stalin's USSR or Pol Pot's Cambodia is that the free market still has an ability to run with individuals making money. Rather than economic, fascism is more of a kind of cultural authoritarianism. Famed Italian writer Umberto Eco wrote that fascism has 14 characteristics. Eco grew up under Mussolini's fascist regime in Italy. Here are Echo's 14 characteristics of fascism. One, the cult of tradition. Two, the rejection of modernism. Three, the cult of action for action's sake. Four, disagreement is treason. Again, the love it or leave it crowd. Fucking hate that mentality. How about love it and always try to make it better? How about love it but never totally trust it? Uh, five, fear of difference. Six, appeal to social frustration. Seven, the obsession with the plot against the country. Uh, opening the door for paranoid conspiracies with that one. Also presenting the public with a nice distracting adversary, right? Things would be perfect if it wasn't for blank. This insert any name here except my own is fucking things up for all of us. Things would be so great and wonderful and utopian if it wasn't for insert any name here except my own. Number eight, the enemy is both weak and strong. The fascist regime is definitely strong enough to destroy the adversary. Don't you fucking worry your pretty little head about that. We're number one. We're number one. But also, always got to keep an eye on the adversary. Adversary never goes away. The regime always needs a scary boogeyman to keep people riled up and help keep them in line. Nine, pacifism is trafficking with the enemy. Ten, contempt for the weak. Eleven, everybody is educated to become a hero. That reminds me of QAnon. Everybody's a hero in the QAnon story. Uh, Twelve, an emphasis on machismo and weaponry. Thirteen, selective populism. The emotional response of a small group of citizens is accepted as the voice of the people. Right, The vocal minority, they represent the country's mood and interests. 
not the silent majority. Uh, 14, an in-group vocabulary that Echo calls newspeak. Basically, a way of looking at the world is dictated by vocabulary that doesn't really mean anything. Clubhouse talk that promotes tribalism. <laughs> uh, that can be good. It can be good. See, meat sack, hail Nimrod, peanut butter, praiseable jangles for an example of positive tribalism, I think, since the cult of the curious tribe promotes uh, all races, all sexual adult-based orientations being equal and uh, the eternal questioning of any and all dogmas and opinions, including my own, especially mine. I don't know for sure if uh, most of my opinions are right and neither does anyone else really. Uh, Clubhouse talk that promotes tribalism can also be really bad if it paints everyone outside of the club as the fucking enemy, getting everyone real worked up with a real uh, us versus them mentality, which is rarely good. In terms of examples of fascists, there have been only two really famous ones, Hitler and Mussolini. Let's start with Benito Mussolini. Benito Mussolini was Europe's first fascist leader Fascist Italy was the era of the National Fascist Party government from 1922 to 1943 with Benito Mussolini. I like to throw a little flair on the Italian. Uh, As prime minister of the Kingdom of Italy. And yeah, he straight up just called his party the National Fascist Party. That was before there was so much stank on the word. Uh, He took the name of his totalitarian Italian party from the Latin word fascis, which referred to a bundle of elm or birch rods, usually containing an axe, used as a symbol of penal authority in ancient Rome. That's fun. Your, your, uh, you know, your political party is associated with punishment. Uh, Mussolini would lead the first fascist government, but he would uh, you know, not be the most fascist leader of his day or even in Europe during his time in power. That designation would go to Adolf Hitler. Hitler's Nazis certainly were fascists. They were hyper-tribalists, fixated on race and nationalism who followed some seriously cult-like ideologies. We've talked about those fucking lunatics numerous times and their desire to free up living space, Liebenstrom, for whoever they considered Aryan at the expense and peril of anyone not considered Aryan. They certainly appealed to societal frustration, had contempt for the weak, had their own hyper-specific inter-party language, and fit many of Eco's other fascist characteristics. Once again, as in Italy, fascism was both political and cultural. In Germany, under the Nazis, fascists made it impossible to live as an apolitical person in Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. They like to wave a lot of fucking flags around. It was very much a, you know, you're with us or you're against us kind of crowd. I've always felt that crowd fucking sucks, that they're just not very good thinkers. Uh, I've never liked that crowd uh, any more than the love it or leave it crowd, right? They just don't don't like to uh, deal in nuance, don't like to think complexly. A lot of, a lot of the people who are uh, calling other people sheep, in my opinion, they seem to usually be the sheep. Uh, in Hitler's Nazi fascist Germany, you went to a workplace decorated by party signs and banners. You drank out of cups that featured the symbols of the party. On your way back home from work, you got caught in a parade or music festival celebrating the party's so-called ancient history. Uh, your children in school learned the ideology. In the case of Hitler, they joined the Hitler Youth. You drank the Kool-Aid. You drank it every fucking day, or at least you pretended to. You drank the Jim Jones-esque flavor aid or convinced everyone around you that you did or you paid serious consequences. Love it or leave it. Love it or have everything taken from you. Love it or watch your family suffer in extreme poverty. Love it or fucking die. Once their own tribe members are thoroughly brainwashed, fascists purge their lands completely of people outside their tribe and often move on to territorial land grabs. Hitler was a lot better at that part of fascism than Mussolini was. Uh, Well, Mussolini! And uh, Hitler, arguably the world's two most famous fascists, and Mussolini was the first fascist. They did not invent fascist ideology. Fascism was neither a 20th century creation nor a peculiarly Italian or German one. Originating in the 19th century, fascist ideas first appeared in the works of writers from France and Austria, in addition to Germany and Italy. These works were by political writers like Theodor Fritsch, 
Paul Anton de Lagarde, Julius Langben, uh, Jorg Lanz von Liebenfels, Joseph de Meister, Charles Maras, and George Sorrell. And if you actually know who all those motherfuckers are, I want to say that there is a 99.9% .9 chance you are either a current history, philosophy, or political science college student, or a current history, philosophy, or political science college professor. Almost no one else cares about those early, typically angry thinkers. Uh, after fascism was implemented, first by Benito Mussolini, uh, it then became a mass movement that dominated many parts of Europe between 1919 and 1945. It also had adherents in South Africa, Japan, Latin America, and the Middle East. And no surprise here, you know, each and every time uh, fascism has ended in a massive failure. I mean, I guess it's only two big examples, but it hasn't worked out well. Uh, it's almost like people in general don't like being told they don't get to disagree with the state and crave a free marketplace of ideas. It's almost like human flourishing, progress, happiness, a sense of fulfillment, uh, seems to hinge on some semblance, semblance, excuse me, of freedom. It's almost like maybe it's better to live in a society that allows people to publicly say really stupid, heinous shit than it is to live in a society where the state monitors your statements and can punish you for them. So fascism, definitely something worth being against. And in some cases, I think worth coming out against preemptively. But that is a very tricky moral decision to make. If you're going to fight someone before you have a good idea of who they are, what they stand for, how do you know you're for sure stopping more violence from happening with your violence? That is why so many people who criticize Antifa call it a, a slippery slope, their actions, a conduit to mass violence in the name of anti-fascism without oversight. Let's dig further into Antifa's roots in Europe now, uh, gather some more details. As we mentioned, Antifa began in Western Europe in the 1920s and 30s when militant leftists battled fascists in the streets of Germany, Italy. Uh, there was also some of that going on in Spain. And then when fascism withered away at the end of World War II, so did anti-fascism. Right When fascism reared his head again later, anti-fascism came back with it, which makes sense. Uh, Antifa is, you know, just fundamentally a counter-movement, not a movement. It's a response to a movement. It's a response to fascism. Without fascism, or at least the perception of fascism, there is no reason to be anti-fascist. Also makes sense then that the first anti-fascist organization, Arditi de Popolo, Arditi de Popolo, I have no idea if that's, uh, or the People's Daring One, sprang up in response to the rise of the first fascist Mussolini going to have to suck Benito properly one of these days. Uh, just a little primer today. World War I, not popular among many Italian citizens. The war was deeply unpopular, uh, both among the troops, mostly conscripted peasants who were undernourished and fighting for a cause few of them could understand, and among, uh, among the civilian population back home, which included almost a million workers in arms factories who were sub subjected to military discipline. Many rebelled, uh, it's been estimated that some 470,000 Italian conscripts resisted call-up, 310,000 committed acts of uh, indiscipline under arms, and 300,000 of them deserted. Italy's government was far more interested in participating in World War I than its citizens were. By the end of World War I, the working class of Italy was in a mood for revolution. In 1918, there were 1,663 strikes across the scenic historic peninsula. In the countryside, the peasantry was furious that the state was still occupying land that had been promised to them before the war. A lot of riots, a lot of protests were making ruling politicians and landowners nervous. A meeting of industrialists and landowners, landowners in Genoa in April of 1919 marked the first stage of an alliance against the growing labor power of the angry and poor peasants. The industrialists and landowners developed a plan to bully the workers into submission, to have their spirit of revolt broken on the very streets they walked and in the fields they sowed, for this, the hoarders of capital turned to the armed thuggery of fascism and its biggest thug of all, Benito Mussolini. Mussolini would mobilize parts of the population against the labor movement. Ex-officers and NCOs from World War I, white-collar workers, 
Various students and the self-employed all allied themselves to his fascist cause. In the countryside, children of tenant farmers, small landowners, and estate managers were willing recruits in a new war against the perceived red menace of labor unions. As the fascists fought the labor unions, the police, the army, ex-officers, former criminals, and more all joined the cause of fascism. Ultimately, by November of 1921, various hit squads were welded together into a military organization known as the Principi, yeah, Principi, with a hierarchy of sections, cohorts, legions, and a special uniform. And the anti-fascists started to organize right back. In June of 1921, the anti-fascist People's Militia, the Arditi de Popolo, the ADP, the People's Daring Ones took to the streets to fight back. While individuals within the group were politically diverse, they had communists, socialists, anarchists. The ADP was predominantly working class, uh, a working class organization united by their hatred of fascism. Their members came from factories, farms, railways, shipyards, building sites, ports, and public transport. And unlike the modern U.S. incarnation of Antifa, these anti-fascists were organized as fuck. Structurally, the ADP was run along military lines with battalions, companies, and squads, each of them with their own commanders that reported to the person above them. By the end of the summer, they counted about 20,000 members spread across Italy. The ADP built up its own cultural identity with groups in different regions of Italy, displaying their symbols proudly on banners and flags. The ADP as a whole was represented by a skull surrounded by a laurel wreath and then a dagger in the skeleton's mouth. Fuck yeah, bro. It's metal as fuck. That's a very, very striper. Uh, Their motto, to us, was written under that skull. Although they didn't have a uniform, the average ADP member preferred to dress in black sweaters, uh, dark gray trousers with a red flower in their buttonholes. They came up with their own let's get pumped up and fight songs with lyrics that were as direct and confrontational as they were. Stuff like, we curb the violence of the mercenary fascists, everyone armed on the cavalry of human redemption, this eternal youth is renewed in the faith for the people who demand equality and freedom. I'm sure it uh, sounds cooler in Italian. The ADP first saw action in Piombino, a small city on Italia's West Italy. Jesus Christ. A small city on Italy's West Coast. That's how you say those words. But a two-hour drive from Florence on July 19th, 1921, when they attacked a fascist meeting place, rounded up any fascists they could find. When Italy's Royal Guard tried to intervene, they too were forced to surrender. The ADP held the streets for a few days before the sheer size of police numbers forced them to withdraw. In Sarzana, the ADP came to the aid of the local population that had managed to capture one of the fascist's most important leaders, Renato Tici. Uh, when a squad of 500 fascists attempted to rescue Tici, uh, the ADP forced the fascists to flee into the countryside. Unfortunately, just as the ADP was building up some momentum, they were betrayed by one of their allies, one of their... <laughs> by one of their allies, the PSI or Italian Socialist Party, which wanted to sign a non-aggression pact with the fascists. Fucking socialist militants. Bojangles just shook his head and muttered, "Ah, figures. Uh, Socialist militants withdrew from the ADP, crippling their numbers. Soon only 50 sections of 6,000 ADP members remained, supported by a few additional fringe anarchist parties. The battle against the fascists in Italy was lost. But the battle against fascism in Europe was just the beginning. ADP would inspire others to take up the good fight. Hail Nimrod! Uh, While you may not care for some of the actions of Antifa now, uh, specifically property destruction, that actually may not even be the result of Antifa, since it's hard to say at protests who is actually aligned with Antifa and who just showed up in all black to fuck some shit up, I imagine you can at least uh, see some nobility in the roots of Antifa, the core of Antifa ideology. Not sure who would oppose a group of people standing up to fascism other than uh, fascists. Now we head to Britain on October 4th, 1936. Tens of thousands of Zionists, socialists, Irish dock workers, communists, anarchists, various outraged residents of London's East End 
gathered to prevent Oswald Mosley and his British Union of Fascists from marching through their neighborhood. So Oswald Arnold Mosley, sixth baronet, was a British politician who rose to fame in the 1920s as a member of parliament and later in the 1930s started the British Union of Fascists. And this political party embraced the Nazi-style anti-Semitism of Hitler and a fervent brand of far-right nationalism. Anti-fascists clashed against members of the British Union of Fascists on October 4th, 1936, in what would eventually be known as the Battle of Cable Street. Anti-fascist protesters formed a blockade, beat back around 3,000 fascist black shirts who were accompanied by 6,000 police officers. To stop the march, the protesters detonated homemade bombs. They threw marbles at the feet of the police horses. That's pretty creative. Uh, they turned over a burning truck on some people. They rained down rocks, pieces of bricks, shaking up beverage bottles, even the contents of chamber pots thrown onto the marchers while the police attempted to protect them. And yes, those chamber pots were full of shit. They threw shit bombs on the fascists. Literal human turds raining down on the figurative anti-Semitic human turds below. Very poetic. And must have been fun. I mean, honestly, how good would it feel to essentially take a shit on a Nazi? Uh, Mosley and his men were forced to retreat. Well, maybe forced is a strong word. They, they chose to retreat. They were strongly motivated to retreat because they did not want to get covered in more literal shit. I get it. Antifa rioters rained on their parade in the worst way. Well, for many members of contemporary anti-fascist groups, the Battle of Cable Street remains an important victory today to look back on. Right? Had early Antifa members not confronted Sir Oswald Mosley and his British Union of Fascists, uh, could fascism have taken hold in the UK? Hard to say. That's the tricky thing about preemptive strikes. Right? Sometimes when they work the best, they're harder to justify later because people can always say, why'd you attack them? They didn't even end up doing anything. And you can be like, yeah, they didn't end up doing anything because we attacked them. And you can go round and round. You can very well be right, but you can't ever totally prove it. Anti-fascist groups today also look back on the anti-fascist action from Weimar, Germany. The anti-fascist action from Weimar. Uh, from which Antifa takes its name and logo. Why, why do I always want to get like angry when I speak German? <laughs> Just, I'm sure it's, it's, not, it's not always an angry language, right? I'm sure there's like people who speak it in bed, bedroom talk very sensually. <laughs> when I do it, I always just want to do it like fast and angry. Like, it's hard to picture like bedroom talk. That's a Weimar. Oh, he likes to find you like when I touch you there. Do you like it when I touch you? And then it just seems like it feels silly, just the accent. <laughs> in my head, it's like one or two things. You know, like, oh, is that, is that very good for you? What's just like so, so much anger. I know it's not. I know, I know it's not German meat sex. Uh, Anti-fascist action was the 1933 paramilitary wing of the Communist Party of Germany. They tried to stop the Nazis. They weren't very successful, but they tried. Their association with communism, another reason a lot of people don't like Antifa. Since the very beginning, their members have incorporated or, you know, worked with uh, or been also a lot, of, a lot of communists and anarchists. A lot of people uh, down with bringing down the fascists are not down with supporting communists or anarchists. All right, let's move now towards modern-day Antifa. The modern resurgence of anti-fascist movements began in the 70s and 80s when neo-Nazi skinheads began to infiltrate British, uh, the, the Britain's punk scene, this punk music scene. After the Berlin Wall fell, neo-Nazism gained prominence in Germany as well. Uh, many facing political and financial instability started romanticizing the Third Reich as a golden era. In response, a cadre of young leftists, including many anarchists, punk rockers, revived the tradition of street-level anti-fascism by literally punching Nazis wherever they could find them. Gotta like that, right? Punching skinheads in the fucking face. Coming across that research sent me into YouTube, uh, sent me into a wormhole of watching a lot of videos of skinheads getting punched, and it is very satisfying. If you're having a bad day, if you're kind of like, oh man, just kind of down or whatever, throw on some videos of uh, skinheads getting punched in their faces. 
And it's, it's pretty uplifting. I know that violence isn't always the answer, but sometimes it's a pretty good answer, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, seeing fellow Idahoan and swastika-wearing skinhead Randy Furness get fucking clocked in the mouth at a uh, 2017 protest at the University of Florida, it uh, feels good. Uh, found an even better video of a swastika-wearing skinhead in Seattle just getting knocked the fuck out. One punch. Man, it was a good punch. Not necessarily thrown by an Antifa member, but uh, Antifa will be proud to have this guy as a member. I'd be happy to have him as a bodyguard if I ever needed one. Dude throws a real nice, real accurate right cross. Uh, hit this guy right in the button. If, if you need to punch someone in the face and knock them out cold, uh, I feel like skinheads have some pretty good targets for faces. In the late 80s, left-wing punk fans in the U.S. got in on the anti-fascist action. Uh, they initially called their group anti-racist action, theorizing that Americans would be more familiar with fighting racism than fascism, which is fair. Uh, I didn't really truly know what the fuck fascism was until this week. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've heard the term many times. I knew the gist of it, but I didn't really know exactly how it was tied to nationalism and racism, et cetera. Uh, these activists toured with popular or with popular alternative bands throughout the 90s, trying to ensure that neo-Nazis didn't have a place among fans and weren't luring fans into the neo-Nazi cause. By the 2000s, as the internet facilitated more transatlantic dialogue, as more people understood what the hell fascist meant, some American activists adopted the name Antifa. Uh, one of the first groups in the U.S. to use the name was a group we already mentioned, Rose City Antifa. Uh, of course, it came from Portland. Portland loves to protest. I love Portland, but man, I've never been to a city that loves to protest more than Portland, Oregon. Uh, it was founded there in 2007. It has a decent following on social media, uh, shares news articles, sometimes seeks to dox or to reveal the identities and personal information of you know figures on the right. Uh, they currently have over 21,000 followers on Facebook, over 46,000 followers on Twitter. Antifa groups in the U.S. didn't really get much attention until Donald Trump became president in 2016. By late 2016, early 2017, Antifa was in the news, especially right-wing media sources like Fox News, Breitbart, The Drudge Report. In 2017, Antifa gained tons of vis visibility after a series of events put a spotlight on anti-fascist protesters, including the punching of a prominent alt-right anti-Semitic Nazi wannabe, Richard Spencer. Old Dickie Spencer! Oh, this dude... This dude who once said, referring to his ideal of an all-white nation in a 2013 Vice interview, our dream is a new society, an ethno-state that would be a gathering point for all Europeans. It would be a new society based on very different ideals than, say, the Declaration of Independence. Well, this dude, old Dickie, old Dickie Spence, he got sucker punched so hard. Like, I can't believe he's remained conscious. Uh, again, so satisfying to watch. Antifa also got media coverage for the confrontation of white nationalist protesters in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, but again, who were really throwing the punches? Were they really Antifa members or just some people wearing all black? So so tricky, right? You can't you can't really know who's a member or not. They don't they don't have like membership cards. They don't have a real membership structure, just an ideal. If I knew no more about Antifa than I know right now, uh, and wore all black, waved an Antifa flag, me and 10 similarly dressed people who also don't know any more about Antifa than what you've already heard, uh, but we just like the angle of hell yeah, fuck Nazis. And we crashed a neo-Nazi rally and we started attacking neo-Nazis uh, in the media, that attack would be labeled as an Antifa attack. Even though our only real association with Antifa is just that we also wanted to punch Nazis. Uh, wearing all black at protests, raising hell, has definitely become associated with Antifa. A bunch of Antifa believers wearing all black. Uh, there's a term for it. It's called black block. A black block is a tactic to keep anonymity and fend off police attacks. It makes it harder for police to tell one member from the next and be able to identify anybody later. Uh, another Antifa tactic that has been at the forefront of American discourse in recent years is called no platforming. 
how Antifa members will try to take away the platform, meaning the job, venue space, meeting space, or whatever for people they deem as fascists. The idea here is to try and take away the space where white supremacist ideas can be heard and where they can then spread. Uh, while many mainstream liberals have come out against Antifa-style methods of no platforming, saying it violates rights to free speech, there is an interesting moral rationale for it. Antifa activists believe that fascists forfeit their rights to speak and assemble when they deny those same rights to others through violence and intimidation. Historians have noted that state-based protections like freedom of assembly failed in Italy and Germany, where fascists were able to take over governments through legal rather than revolutionary means. Then the people in power, the Nazis, the Nazis, the fascists, they were able to turn around and deny the anti-fascists who'd opposed them their rights. The fascists were able to spread their ideology under the idea of liberal tolerance for ideas until they got into power, and then they shut down everyone else's ideas. Antifa does not abide by John Milton's dictum that in a free and open encounter, truthful ideas will prevail. And modern Antifa activists point to Germany and Italy as, as examples of what can happen if you don't fight fire with fire. And they're not necessarily wrong. So that's Antifa. Uh, it definitely exists, but it doesn't exist, as far as anyone knows from what I can tell, in, in any organized state outside of a few local chapters that uh, also are really not that organized. Uh, despite their lack of structure, police and other U.S. law enforcement agencies take Antifa seriously, have a ton of information on attacks associated with Antifa, uh, on, an, on, in, on individuals who identify as being Antifa members, believers. Again, Antifa is a lot like Anonymous. If you share their beliefs, if you take action against people who you consider to be fascist, and you say you're part of Antifa, well, guess what? You're Antifa. Now let's talk about QAnon. QAnoners, like Antifa, are also not part of some highly organized national group. Uh, unlike Antifa, they, they do kind of have a leader, maybe. They have Q or at least some anonymous poster or series of anonymous posters uh, who they think is Q, some alleged government insider with Q security clearance that binds them together a little more tightly than their Antifa enemies. Unlike Antifa, QAnon's origins very recent. Uh, the world of QAnon was created on the image boards of primarily 4chan and then 8chan. But the mythology of a satanic cabal of horrible globalists pulling the strings that QAnon's core ideology is based on, well, that shit's been around for centuries. QAnon's specific strain of intrigue and paranoia began on October 2017, or in October 2017, with some posts on 4chan. The first post, called a, a Q drop, posts are all called drops, brought back all the theories about a global leftist pedophile cabal that had circulated during the time of Pizzagate just the year before in the fall of 2016. And to find the content of that first drop, because, it's so, uh, because so much of Q's drops have been lost thanks to 4chan's policy of continually deleting old posts from its server, uh, H 8chan being shut down, uh, Reddit deleting various QAnon subreddits back in 2018. I had to go back to our own research from over a year and a half ago where I found some stuff on an archive site. Back on June 6, 2019, uh, we covered the QAnon conspiracy in episode 67 of our Patreon-only weekly Secret Suck podcast. We've done a segment off and on for 165 episodes and counting now called The Third Eye of David Icke, a segment dedicated to debunking conspiracies that don't seem substantive or substantive enough to devote a full Monday episode to. And back in the summer of 2019, I was on the fence about covering QAnon when Zach the script keeper brought it up. Even for just a 20 to 30 minute segment, it seemed too crazy, too obscure, too similar to Pizzagate to be worth talking about. Think about that. Less than two years ago, the guy who has covered the hollow earth theory and Denver airport conspiracy dedicated the opening episode of this podcast to discussing the lizard Illuminati thought that QAnon was not worth mentioning. There just wasn't enough to it. And now that little baby conspiracy is all grown up. 
Actually, now the little conspiracy has seen its best days and is on the decline. The world moves so fast for conspiracy sometimes. Uh, so anyway, the first uh, drop Q left on 4chan said Hillary Clinton will be arrested between 7.45 a.m. Eastern time on Monday, uh, the morning on October 30th, 2017. And I know it's not a like, complete sentence. When you say we'll be arrested between 7.45 a.m., you should finish it with between that time and what time. And they didn't, they didn't write that out. I was just, that was an exact quote <laughs> archived on one of those 4chan boards. Uh, later that day, another drop stated that HRC, Hillary Rodham Clinton, extradition already in motion, effective yesterday with several countries in case of border, in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged, 10.30 at 12.01 a.m. Expect massive riots, organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. USMs, likely Marines or military, will conduct the operation while NG, the, probably the National Guard, uh, activated. Proof to check. Locate a NG member and ask if activated for duty, 10.30, across most major cities. This is what kicked off the QAnon conspiracy. This blatantly fictitious information. Hey, do you remember that time when the U.S. military arrested Hillary Clinton? Right back in 2017? Impressive if you do, since that definitely never fucking happened. That very first prediction, a very specific prediction, was obviously false. It did not come true. In a rational world, you would think that that would destroy the credibility of Q right out the gate. But we do not live in a rational world. We live in a world full of a lot of people who can seemingly rationalize just about anything. After Q made his first post, a group of people soon popped up who became known as bakers, people who took the crumbs of Q's hints, formed them into full-fledged theories, theories called bread. Uh, people like Tracy Diaz, former small-time YouTube star who once hosted a talk show on the fringe right-wing network Liberty Movement Radio. Uh, Tracy and about a dozen other primary bakers merged in the early days of Q. Uh, we'll meet some of them, some of the rest in a bit. Uh, we, won't, we won't talk about Tracy anymore. Some of these conspiracists, uh, they live pretty short lives on the web. Maybe they received some interventions that actually worked. Uh, some of the bakers and their close devotees had hundreds of thousands of followers. They spread Q-lore. Uh, they brought it to 8chan, then to Reddit, which had way more users than 4chan, tweeted about it, posted on Facebook about it, made YouTube videos about it, uh, made meme after meme, sometimes devoted their lives to trying to decode and decipher Q's cryptic nonsensical drops. They formed friendships with other people who devoted a lot of time uh, trying to decipher Q's drops. And you can devote a lot of time uh, trying to decipher Q's drops because a lot of them don't make any fucking sense at all because they're just gibberish. Uh, what kind of people are these bakers and other QAnoners? Well, maybe surprisingly, they're not all a bunch of angry incels covered in Cheeto dust. They're not all mentally ill. They're not even all on the far right or even on the right side of the political spectrum at all. They're not even all in the U.S. Q truthers, as I've heard them called sometimes, kind of like flat earth truthers or hollow earth truthers or lizard illuminati truthers, you can pretty much add truther to any questionable and unprovable belief system to make yourself feel and sound more credible. Uh, they are spread around the globe. Q himself, according to the recent six-part HBO docuseries, Q Into the Storm, is probably a guy in the Philippines named Ron Watkins, a programmer, son of an American expat, who was the admin for 8chan, where Q would really flourish after leaving 4chan. Uh, check out that docuseries if you want to look into who Q might be. They cover very different ground in those six episodes than I do here today. I don't think who Q is matters. I don't really care who Q is. What matters, in my opinion, is how a lot of people can come to believe something as outlandish as the QAnon claims. So who does believe in these QAnon claims? Well, accurate numbers are impossible to gather. Research has shown that as many as 30 million Americans could believe in QAnon or have some beliefs that intersect with QAnons. That's 10 to 15% of the population. That, that's fucking terrifying. 
I hope that's not true. Beliefs that intersect with QAnon tend to be just as crazy as QAnon beliefs. Other estimates out there are lesser, under 10 million, which seems like a, a way too much still, <laughs> right? Uh, but I believe it. I believe there probably is, you know, uh, I mean, I say under 10 million. So I'm guessing that's what, probably like eight, nine million. Otherwise they'd say under eight or under seven. Uh, I, I still see people wearing QAnon shit every week around here in Coeur d'Alene. Less and less lately, but they're still around. Uh, all the estimates indicate that millions of people have followed more than five, the more than 4,000, God dang it, have followed the more than 5,000 Q drops made since 2017. Holy shit. A September 2020 poll by the left-leaning Daily Costs and the online polling company Civics found that 56% of Republicans believed QAnon to some degree. Those poll results include people who just think Q is partly true. You know, they may not believe that Tom Hanks is a satanic pedophile, but they do believe that a powerful satanic cabal exists of some kind, right? Something nefarious and behind the scenes. And that belief is still disturbing to me. Still some uh, medieval burn the witch kind of mental drivel, in my opinion. Uh, December 2020 poll of Americans from the polling firm Ipsos asked whether people thought specific QAnon teachings were true, found that 17% thought the core belief was true. 17% that a group of Satan-worshipping elites who run a child sex ring are trying to control our politics and media. Motherfucker, that's a terrifying percentage. And, and I, I think they might be right. Sadly, I've overheard many of these people talking around uh, town here in Northern Idaho, at the gym, at restaurants, at NutriShop. I stopped going to the local NutriShop uh, here in CDA because one day I just walked in to buy some amino acids. I overheard two people working behind the counter casually talking about how unbelievably evil Hollywood is and how Hollywood elites have been sacrificing children they also raped to Baphomet for many years. What the fuck? Granted, I do live in a weird town. Love the mountains and the lakes, and a lot of the people here are so nice and friendly and so cool. Uh, unfortunately, Satan-obsessed conspiracy nuts also love these mountains and lakes around here. Oh, well. It keeps things interesting, I guess. Probably plenty of those people live in L.A., Chicago, New York City, etc., too. Uh, they just maybe don't get so casual with their conspiracy talk that they shove their cell phone in your face when you're working out at the gym doing bicep curls with your fucking AirPods in your ears to tell you that George Soros has finally been taken down in a sting operation targeting satanic global elite pedophiles. Not making that up. That happened to me not that long ago. I'm not making any of these experiences up. It's gotten so crazy around here this past year. The pandemic has not been kind to lunatics. It's only given them more time to double down on their insulated echo chamber insanity. Uh, QAnon adherents, while they do tend to come from the far right, also come from the far left. Many of QAnon's, uh, QAnoners were former liberals and Democrats, even recent Bernie Sanders supporters. Many of them voted for Obama, right, twice. Many of them come from the political middle as well. Anyone who really felt disillusioned with the U.S. government the past few years. Anyone who just wanted to believe that things are not what they seem. That the system isn't just broken, it's a mirage. The real power comes from the shadows, from a great adversary pulling the strings. Uh, within QAnon groups, you'll find service workers, computer programmers, police officers, military veterans, successful business owners, unsuccessful business owners, uh, stay-at-home moms, regular working folks, even the occasional college professor. A lot of various subgroups within QAnon culture. Uh, if you want to talk Q shop, plus you want to talk about guns and internet surveillance, plenty of Q groups for that. Uh, if you want to talk about crystals and have a new age approach to current politics, there's a female focus group called Pastel Q, or at least there was. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of QAnon people especially in the last year, actually don't like the Republican Party any more than like the Democrats, right? They like Trump and the people he claims to like. They see Trump as someone independent of political parties. That's partly what they liked about him. 
Many mainstream Republicans uh, are actually believed to also be part of the evil child murdering cabal, including the Bushes, Donald Rumsfeld, Dick Cheney, right? Just George W. and Hillary and the Obamas and the Cheneys all sitting around a table holding hands with Tom Hanks, getting ready to break bread, munch on some of that sweet, sweet baby meat. Thank you, Satan, for the treat you gave us, tasty baby meat. Amen and hail Satan. Dig in. Uh, this all showcases an important point about QAnon. Most believers very, very flexible about what they're willing to believe on any given day. They perceive themselves as free thinkers who challenge authority and apply scrutiny to the propaganda of the mainstream media while simultaneously accepting unsupported sources and narratives with zero evidence. Right? The irony of that. I'm a free thinker. Doesn't just accept the bullshit. Mainstream media throws at me. Fuck that. Instead, I believe literally everything that some anonymous motherfucker on 8chan says. No matter how little sense it makes, no matter how many times the predictions fail to occur, that is how you think freely. You choose to believe everything someone you don't know says on the internet. That's how you don't become another one of the sheeple. You reject the most heavily vetted information out there and blindly accept the stuff posted by anonymous trolls. How fucking crazy is that? How fucked is your life if you essentially trust the equivalent of assholes on YouTube threads more than any of the world's actual journalists? In many cases, uh, QAnoners will seemingly believe almost anything they're told, as long as it comes from a well-known, Q-friendly figure. By well-known, sometimes I mean not known at all. Uh, they've trusted so-called Q experts more than their own families, even throwing away marriages to follow some Q-truther. One of the most well-known Q disciples, a dude named Joe M., known as Joe M., a, a high priest in the QAnon cult, before Parler disappeared and took a lot of Joe's thoughts with it, Joe summed up his beliefs this way. Parler is about to blow. Here's the summary. The world is under the control of several transgenerational crime syndicates. You know what? I feel like I gotta, I gotta add some music to this. Come on. There we go. A little conspiracy music. The world is under control of several, tra that's better. Transgenerational crime syndicates and elite death cults who merged in recent years under the common goal to impose a one world despotic government and population reduction to the tune of 90%. After completely compromising every form of global power using pedophilic blackmail as their favorite method, elements in the U.S. military loyal to the Republic devised a sophisticated plan of incomprehensible precision to root them out and expose their crimes to the world such that humanity will never allow it to happen again. Trump's first term was installing... <laughs> Trump's first term was for installing the legal framework for a sting operation to ensnare them in a web of treason, espionage, and election theft, while demonstrating to the people how close we had come to a communist fascist hellscape of tyranny echoing the Third Reich. You've just tuned into the final chapter of a spectacular story that will resonate through the ages. God bless USA. That post had more than 30,000 likes and 4,000 supportive comments. Uh, so what the fuck happened, Joe? Why, did, why didn't Trump root out all the satanic pedos? And why the hell would it take him four fucking years, right? Why would it take four years for any world leader to round up citizens who have done something as heinous as raping, sacrificing to Satan, and also eating children? Short answer, it wouldn't. It makes no sense on any level. It just wouldn't. If any leader, especially one with the unwavering support of the U.S. military, as Q often claimed regarding Trump, had credible evidence of a group of politicians, celebrities, wealthy leftists actually doing that, the public would demand their fucking heads on a stick. Easiest convictions ever, right? People on the left and the right in general both seem to really hate pedophiles. 
There would be no reason at all, none whatsoever, to just not arrest him, right? For it to take years to round it off. Get the fuck. Uh, all that child kidnapping and pedophile cabal talk Joe is going off about. That is what the QAnon conspiracy is mostly known for, I think. But they're into a lot of other theories. Uh, QAnon combines a lot of the tried and true greatest hits of classic conspiracy theories. Theories like uh, Jewish elites running everything. And then it'll add like a new twist, right? It's not just the Jews. It's, it's not just the liberals. It's not just the commies. Open your eyes. It's the Republicans too. It's also the conservatives. The Republicans and the Democrats collaborating with big tech and big pharma to depopulate the world and fuck our kids. It's everyone. Uh, everyone but Trump for some reason. And Jesus. It's Trump and Jesus and maybe most of the military versus everyone else versus all the other politicians and celebrities and Antifa and maybe the Boy Scouts and definitely the Catholic Church and maybe telemarketers and probably Pat Sajak or something like that. It's hard to follow the deeper you go into it. Many QAnoners uh, believe in the common conspiracy that the medical industry has the cure for cancer lockdown, preferring instead to make money off expensive treatments to keep people sick. Really, really, once you believe in QAnon, you, you're kind of just opened your head to all the conspiracies. Uh, some think, you know, these uh, evil actors are trying to depopulate the earth. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Bill Gates. It's, Fuck you, Bill Gates. Right? Bill Gates loves to depopulate the earth almost as much as he loves sucking Hillary Clinton's dick. Uh, evangelical Christianity plays heavily into QAnon beliefs. However, not all QAnoners are evangelical Christians or even Christians or even religious. But for the ones who are, estimated to be a pretty big percentage, they tend to believe that Trump is God's preordained chosen savior. And subsequently, anyone who opposes Trump must be someone who actively worships Satan, which is why when you push on Trump a little bit, some people lose their fucking minds, right? They're so invested in him. They think he's like God's prophet, basically. Uh, QAnon's main consistent theme has been a belief that Trump will sweep all the bad guys aside in a perpetually just around the corner event that QAnoners refer to as the storm. The storm. QAnoners love to talk about the storm. Where does this come from? Well, on October 5th, 2017, Trump summoned some reporters to the state dining room where he was thrown a dinner for military commanders and their spouses. Uh, uh, guest, gesturing to his guests, he said, you guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. What's the storm? Asked one reporter. Could be the calm before the storm, Trump repeated. And that's it. That's it. That's where it comes from. That one dumb moment. Just some weird shit, he said. A guy who said weird shit every day, <laughs> right? For years. That's one of the weird things he said. And it got everybody worked up about this storm, all these QAnoners. They really clung to that quote, turned it into a rally cry. QAnoners believe the storm will involve mass arrests of everyone that they disagree with, culminating in military tribunals and televised public executions. So why hasn't it happened? All right, he said that three and a half years ago. Where the fuck is this storm? Uh, the November 2020 election threw a big wrench in the idea that the storm was ever going to happen. When Joe Biden was elected to the presidency, gosh dang, ha <laughs> ho, Anyone else feel the wind leaving the sail? Uh, this truly shocked the QAnon community. They believed that Trump was guaranteed to win a crushing victory. It would affirm his last four years, leading to a glorious second term as president in which the storm would finally take place. That's why a lot of people really wanted that second term. They wanted the storm to come. We'll look at the election and what happened with the QAnon community following the election timeline. Uh, before we get into the timeline, uh, let's look deeper into the Q QAnon community's obsession with pedophilia and pedophile rings. Why not? There's just so much crazy shit to talk about here. Uh, why do all the global elites want to so badly want to uh, take our kids? Well, ped pedophilia is only a small part of it. What they really want is that tasty adrenochrome, baby. And the good adrenochrome, bingo, bango, that top shelf shit. You have to harvest that from the kids. As any medical doctor, right? <laughs> of, of course knows. 
as they teach you in medical school. Uh, so what the hell is adrenochrome? We've covered it before on Time Suck. Worth covering again. Uh, adrenochrome is a chemical compound with the molecular formula C9H9NO3 produced by the oxidation of adrenaline. And it doesn't do anything for sure to you that we know of if you ingest it, other than probably taste bad and maybe upset your tum-tum. It's been the fascination of a small group of maybe not so good scientists and some definitely good fiction writers for a while. Scientific interest in adrenochrome dates back to the 1950s, when unsuccessful Canadian researchers Humphrey Osmond and Abram Hoffer developed what they called the soon-to-be-debunked, but a lot of people don't pay attention to that part, uh, adrenochrome hypothesis. After a series of small, not well-thought-out studies between 1952 and 1954, the two falsely concluded that excess adrenochrome can trigger symptoms of schizophrenia. This hypothesis impacted adrenochrome's public perception in a weird way for some. Uh, some other people then put a spin on it and said it was a psychedelic, like LSD or mescaline. Anthony Burgess nicknamed it Drenchrome in the slang of his novel A Clockwork Orange. Frank Herbert described a character in Destination Void, first published in 1965, as so high he looked like someone who had just eaten a handful of pineal glands and washed them down with a pint of adrenochrome. It's fucking cool sense. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, though. Uh, most famously, gonzo journalist Hunter S. Thompson got offered a tiny taste from his unhinged lawyer in a scene from that amazing movie that I love so much, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Right? The lawyer said, that stuff makes pure mescaline seem like ginger beer. You'll go completely crazy if you take too much. There's only one source for this stuff, Thompson responded. The adrenal glands from a living human body. It's no good if you get it out of a corpse. So is adrenochrome real? Yes. Does it actually have psychedelic uh, properties? No. It was speculated to be related to schizophrenia, and that speculation was proven to be false. In the early 70s, the American Psychiatric Association strongly rejected the Canadian researchers' adrenochrome hypothesis. In several different trials, their, the Canadians' initial results were not duplicated at all. The references to adrenochrome that came afterwards were from fictional authors and screenwriters talking about a drug so cool and so taboo, you hadn't even heard of it. You never even seen it on the streets. Yeah, because fucking people were not using it. You hadn't heard of it because there's no proof that anyone outside of a fictional character or fictionalized version of a real character has ever fucking taken adrenochrome. Or if they have taken it, that it's given any kind of effects whatsoever. And anything psychedelic or as QAnoners uh, surmised, taking it, uh, you know, people have taken it to remain unnaturally young, <laughs> right? Somehow in the toxic vortex of nonsensical 4 and 8chan posts, adrenochrome went from being a thing, uh, you know, the, the, some researchers found that they thought was related to schizophrenia that was debunked to a thing referenced in Hunter S. Thompson, uh, you know, book and in Clockwork Orange as being like a psychedelic to something satanic elites were harvesting specifically from children who were scared in order to stay young forever. So many mental hurdles jumped to get from point A to point, what the fuck are you talking about? The most recent sm smoking gun proof of all this adrenochrome nonsense, uh, how a lot of celebrities started to look a lot older several months into the COVID pandemic. That was proof of adrenochrome harvesting. Right? Well, uh, did they start to look older because they couldn't access their top-tier trainers, nutritionists, stylists, hairstylists, makeup artists anymore? Is that why they looked older? No, no, no. No, it's because uh, a, a new virus with a pretty low fatality rate scared all these satanic elites, these powerful elites, into staying in their houses like frightened kids. And now it's just too hard for them to kidnap children to fucking eat and harvest adrenochrome. It's fucking insane. The core of QAnon is so goddamn stupid. <laughs> Oh my God, I tried, I, whenever I go over, I try not to get angry, but I'm like, what? The QAnoners, adrenochrome is a mystical psychedelic favored by global elites, right? Uh, they, they torture children to harvest their oxidized hormonal fear that somehow keeps them young. Uh, and I didn't mention that part, really. 
maybe I mentioned, I didn't go into it. You have to scare the kids, apparently, to maximize the magical properties of adrenochrome. Millions of adults who raise kids believe this shit to be true. God, it's so hard not to want to kill them. <laughs> it's so hard not to, maybe the best thing is just to put them all down. Ah, okay, okay, pull them back. Uh, kids scream in horror, right? They produce adrenaline. Uh, it makes a sweet drug for the elite. Uh, did I mention how Monsters Incorporated, the Pixar movie, ties into all this? Yeah, it sure does, because fuck it, because, you know, because why not? Uh, the Pixar movie, Monsters, Inc., a movie about monsters working in a power plant who make children scream for the energy they produce. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> QAnon has said a lot about Monsters, Inc. QAnon likes to say that Monsters, Inc. is Hollywood telling on itself, right? So now little, little clues of what it's really doing, says QAnon researcher Mike Rains, right? The, the, the plot of scaring kids to get energy. That's really what's going on, and they just they just fucking taunt you with it in, in the Pixar movie. Uh, the highest profile adrenochrome incident uh, took place in 2018, as far as you know, spreading adrenochrome lore, when Google CEO Sundar Pichai was questioned by the House Judiciary Committee about a conspiracy called Frazzle Drip. Can't believe this was actually discussed by the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, the crackpot theory involves a mythical video supposedly squirreled away on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Yes, that Anthony Weiner, the contents of his laptop, the contents of the laptop of the guy who threw away a promising political career because he could not stop sexting dick pics. That's where all the, you know, the real answers are. <laughs> uh, the video allegedly showed Hillary Clinton and her one-time aide, Huma Abedin, performing a satanic sacrifice in which they slurped a child's blood while wearing masks carved from the skin of kids' faces. Boom, motherfucker! Mic drop! Is that evil enough for you to wake the fuck up? Huh? Is that over the top enough? Is, is it stupid enough? Oh, uh, my God. The place you have to go to in your head to actually believe that. <laughs> there's, a, there's apparently nothing that reads as just too much when it comes to QAnoners. Like, I don't think QAnoners, when they're digging in... <laughs> These drops, like ever, ever have a moment of like, ah, come on, come on, it's too much. What are you doing? God, no, come on, it's crazy talk. Like it, it just never gets to the point of just being crazy talk. Must be, must have been fun, right? To have just kept up in the ante on like 8chan, right? You could just post anything that you wanted about the right targets. If you, if you use the right lingo and people would be like, what? Oh my God. I, I, some part of me, you know, would have enjoyed making and then posting some videos, just saying crazy shit. My face hidden in the shadows, right? Just to see how worked up I could get them. We have heard from a trusted Q source that on Killary Clinton's hard drive, there's a video of her sitting on a chair made out of baby dicks. Yes, she's wearing nothing but a jacket woven out of puppy face fur and 12-year-old virgin girl buttholes. On her head rests a crown made out of some wood and the nails from Jesus' cross decorated with Christian pastors' eyeballs. In front of her, Tom Hanks, George Bush, Michelle Obama, Willie Nelson, I think, literally being sodomized by demons and loving it. They recite an incantation that conjures Satan himself. Satan tells them that his son, Jeffrey Epstein, obviously not dead, false flag, has made a deal with the reptilians living beneath us to deliver all of the world's children to Satan's father, Bill Gates, by 2027. Bill Gates will then take possession of Killary's body and announce his ascension to the Iron Throne that lies underneath the Denver airport, activate the DNA slave modification codes via the 5G cell towers that the basis from Chumbawamba has added to COVID vaccinations after getting knocked down and then getting back up again. 
The only way to stop all of this is to buy all of the orange glitter Chroma Clow Berkeley Powerbait currently on sale at Bass Pro. The Powerbait has a secret antidote that if ingested by enough of us will allow us to finally stop Obama and save our children. Ah, oh, boy. You could, you could literally post that. <laughs> well, exactly what I just said there in a QAnon thread. And thousands of people be like, fuck yeah. Oh my God. What? No. Enough. <laughs> Enough my crazy now. Let's get back to some QAnon crazy. Uh, Codename Frazzledrip. The supposed bizarre ritual shown in the video of Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin performing a satanic sacrifice in which they slurp a child's blood while wearing masks carved from the skin of the kid's face was supposed to illustrate the process of harvesting adrenochrome. Seems like a complicated way to get it. Uh, the video never materialized. Uh, of course it did. Uh, QAnon's real, real light on actual evidence uh, when it comes, you know, to its wild claims. Uh, let's, let's look at some other incredibly over-the-top claims that have poured out of the twisted hive mind of QAnon. Uh, many QAnoners believe in impossible imposters and duplicates. They seem to believe that the deep state has some seriously advanced sci-fi capabilities, including the replication of Hillary and Bill Clinton, as well as Joe Biden, uh, who were at some point captured, killed, and replaced with clones. Oh, man. Why didn't why did they make Biden's clone a little bit younger? Make him move a little bit better. Seems, seems you know, just mean. <laughs> when Joe Biden fell, uh, broke his foot on November 28th, 2020, QAnoners were sure that Biden was dead and his clone was arrested and fitted with an ankle monitor in which the walking boot is designed to hide. Interesting. Why would a clone need to wear an ankle bracelet? What does that have to do with anything? Well, that's a great question. It was never answered. Uh, QAnoners have also floated the theory that Hillary Clinton was executed by some loyal patriots. Uh, Hillary Clinton was executed by white hat good guys, then replaced at some point by a clone because you, you can't just have her be dead because that would, um, uh, that would lead... Uh, it's never explained uh, why she had to be cloned. Uh, you'd think that if assassins were so advanced they could clone an important adversary that they could also, you know, be able to kill somebody and make it look like an accident. But, <laughs> but again, that's, that's thinking logically. Q doesn't give two shits about logic, idiot. Q bends logic over and fucks it six ways from Sunday. Q honors also speculated the real John McCain was executed for crossing Trump, then somehow replaced. Then that clone died again when the deep state wanted that clone taken out of commission. Hell yeah, right? That makes sense. Sometimes you get the job done, you gotta, you gotta kill a motherfucker twice, right? All part of the Q storm, baby. Uh, let's revisit the storm. The moment, the big moment that will expose all the big QAnon beliefs, right? They'll make people like me have to eat crow, making, making, poking fun. And the QAnoners are like, oh, you wait for the storm. <laughs> you wait. Uh, there's more to it that I've already laid out. Some QAnoners believe that an upcoming social media worldwide internet power blackout will coincide with both the storm and a giant dump of secret information from Trump, typically referred to as D-class. Anytime their internet connection goes out for like 10 seconds, QAnon believers get rock fucking hard, get soaking wet, thinking the magical moment is here at last. Finally, former Vice President Mike Pence will get what he fucking deserves for joining the Satanists and turning on Trump at his most important hour. Finally, former United States Attorney General Bill Barr, deep state puppet, will be exposed and executed, as will Chief Justice John Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. Sure, they were both, you know, Trump's choices and highly opposed by the left, but they were also puppets, uh, global puppets planted to destroy Trump or something. Uh, Brian Kemp, the Georgia governor who based his whole campaign around Trump support, uh, he's an enemy now. Rush Limbaugh is an enemy for some reason. Fox News, uh, Parler, all on the side of the globalists. The QAnoners eventually turned on all these people and organizations. 
<laughs> Literally, the, like the only person who the majority of QAnoners have not turned on is Trump. But some QAnoners have tried to fucking kill Trump. Like, like when you get this crazy with the paranoid conspiracy, the conspiracy eventually just like wraps around and starts to eat itself. Oh my God. In addition to believing the various uh, living people are dead or various people have been killed by the deep state, QAnoners also love theories concerning various dead people who are, according to them, haha, not dead. One of the most prominent is the long-running QAnon theory that John F. Kennedy Jr. is alive in reality. July 1999, the son of John and Jackie Kennedy, co-founder of George Magazine, perished in a tragic plane crash at the age of 38, along with his wife, Carolyn Bissett, and his sister-in-law, Lauren. In Q World, JFK Jr., alive and well, had plans to emerge from the shadows to support Trump as his running mate in 2020. <laughs> like, I love, I love that they believe that he, like... That was going to somehow work. So this guy's going to say, hey, everybody, not dead. Also going to be vice president. Like, Okay. Uh, then when this didn't happen, Q World said that JFK Jr., oh, oh he was alive and well, but phew, working against Trump with the deep state. Still others say that Q himself is JFK Jr. Uh, Princess Di, alive and well also. And of course, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, he and Princess Di probably barbecuing some babies and feeding them to Tom Hanks right now. Tom Hanks, also frequent target of QAnoners. We'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> QAnon believers uh, profess to believe in so much shit it makes your head spin. So much of it uh, blatantly contradictory. All right, they don't trust Illuminati scientists. COVID is fake. Fucking phobid. Fovid, bro. Fovid. It's just another way of exercising deep state control. And also, COVID's very real and much more dangerous than we've led to believe. It's a deadly, powerful bioweapon that is both fake and incredibly real. Uh, <laughs> QAnon juggles contradictory ideas like nobody's business. All right, right, there's the vaccine. QAnoners have said that there are 5G nanobots inside the COVID vaccine that will uh, send your genetic code to alien reptilian overlords uh, who can then replace you with a deep state clone and kidnap your kids or something. Uh, <laughs> no real woke patriot who worships Messiah Trump will take the vaccine, uh, even though Trump publicly admitted to taking the vaccine and also told the public to take the vaccine. Uh -huh. uh, all of this could uh, lead one to believe that QAnoners are really fucking stupid. However, a lot of research has shown that QAnon believers are not idiots. As much as I want to say that in moments, uh, more than anything, they are afraid. They're afraid for their futures, their families, their way of life, their prosperity. Uh, people who they see uh, as threats to these things are afraid of them. QAnon has provided them a space to be powerful and brave and righteous. It's given them a sense of intellectual superiority for understanding complicated current events in the right way. Very appealing to certain troubled egos. Uh, whomever is behind QAnon, the mysterious Q, seems to understand that people who seek out QAnon want to feel in control. In many of Q's drops, there are phrases like, the patriots are in control, right? It makes them feel like they're in control of their lives. Kind of. QAnon is a vast, confusing, and complicated world. So many contradictions. Should we feel sorry for them? Should we try to rehabilitate them? Should we try to exterminate them? Uh, is there any point in trying? Will you just be labeled a deep state actor and find your name in some QAnon chat log later if you do try to, uh, you know, help them? I'm positive. I will definitely get some one-star reviews. I will definitely get some shitty emails for my take on QAnon today. I knew that going in. Is there any saving them? Well, actually, yes. Some of them. Some former Q believers did finally seem to snap out of it after the arrest that followed the storm into the U.S. Capitol. When Trump did not come to the rescue, when Q did not come to the rescue, some of them finally realized it was all just a bunch of cra big crazy show that they've been duped. So there is some hope. You know, we can all just laugh about a lot of this shit someday. All right. Now let's see uh, how Q developed from a few posts into all the craziness I just laid out and learn a bit more about uh, Antifa actions and the actions of QAnon believers. 
in this week's Time Suck timeline after this week's sponsor break. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you suddenly had an extra hour show up in your day every day, what would you do with it? Work out, sleep, read a book, play Fortnite, call your mom, take judo lessons, finally watch all the episodes of Shameless. A lot of us spend a lot of our time wishing we had more time. But why? Time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The bad news is that you're not going to get that 25th hour. But what you can probably do is reprioritize where you spend some of your time. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it with your time. This year, my health is more important to me than cranking out another stand-up special as fast as possible. So I canceled a tour, sacrificed that income, and decided to spend a lot of the time I just got back working out more, resting more, relaxing more, and enjoying time with family, friends, and just myself. And I'm so glad I did. I feel better than I have in a long time. And my BetterHelp therapist, Debbie, was very helpful in getting me to make the decision to pull back. Thank you, Debbie. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TimeSuck today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TimeSuck. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything... Is that there's always a catch. So when you hear that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, you're probably thinking, what's the catch? Well, there isn't one, really. They cut the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. It's pretty simple. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans for just 15 bucks a month and no catch. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts over. And in addition to saving money, like over a 50% price drop from what I was paying before, the network quality, in my experience, is better than it was with my old service provider. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash timesuck. That's mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash timesuck. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Thanks to Rocket Money, I canceled a membership to a gym I used to go to where I continued to pay a monthly membership for a couple of years after I stopped going. I didn't even recognize the charge. Rocket Money found it though, and it was canceled. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. That's rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. Rocketmoney.com slash timesuck. I still love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but I'd stopped eating them almost entirely a while back because the bread on top of the sugar from the jelly made me so sleepy. All those carbs causing me to want to take a nap after eating them. Enter 
Hero Bread. Hero Bread takes the fear of carbs out of bread, but still leaves you with that delicious bread taste. Hero Bread has zero to one gram of net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and it's high in fiber. It's also delicious and flavorful. The soft, fluffy experience you love when enjoying a savory breakfast burrito or mouth-watering cheeseburger. There is something for every craving, including sliced bread loaves, buns, and tortillas. And there are monthly small batch drops of indulgent favorites, like the two grams of net carbs Hero Croissant or the one gram of net carbs Hero Cheddar Biscuit. I had a loaf of Hero Classic White Bread delivered last week. Soft, fluffy, and delicious. Five grams of protein per slice, and it's high in fiber. And the best part? Hero Bread doesn't taste healthy. It tastes like bread. It's great. Don't give up on being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TIMESUCK at checkout. That's TIMESUCK at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the sponsors that support the show. Thank you for probably not being a QAnon truther. Now let's timeline for real. Strap on those boots, soldier. We're marching down a time suck timeline. Let us go back to 2016. Pizzagate territory. December 4th, 2016, Edgar Madison Welch from North Carolina is arrested for firing an assault rifle at the Washington, D.C. pizza restaurant, which was alleged to be the center of D.C.'s and thus the American evil, corrupt, deep state-controlled government's child sex trafficking ring. Details around the arrest itself seem to debunk the theory for most who followed it. Uh, The pizzeria was said to have a basement that was the center of the entire Pizzagate operation. It was definitely where the kids were kept in cages, for sure, sacrificed to Satan, molested, harvested for their adrenochrome, etc. But, tiny problem, uh, a wee bit of an intel fuck-up. The pizzeria has no basement. There's, There's no basement in that building. Like, for sure. It was never built. It's been explored. It doesn't exist. Uh, the source of the theory was a user called FBI Anon, a self-described high-level government analyst who was ostensibly the central source of the Pizzagate information. Just some anonymous poster. Uh, that's right, QAnon was not the first supposed deep state secret operative to emerge from 4chan. Soon out of the ashes of Pizzagate and FBI Anon would come Q and QAnon. But first, Antifa. Antifa would make its way into national news in 2017 due to their actions in Charlottesville, Virginia. The Unite the Right rally was a white supremacist rally that occurred in Charlottesville, Virginia on August 11th and 12th, 2017. The August rally had been re- pre- uh, had been preceded by a Klan rally in Charlottesville on July 8th, 2017. That motivated many concerned local residents to ally or to ally uh, with activist protesters against the white supremacist rally the next month. Not all these people were involved with Antifa, a large number of ordinary residents of Charlottesville who wanted to show their disdain for white supremacist groups. But there were some Antifa activist presence, and they did do some damage. In Charlottesville, about 20 members of a group called the Redneck Revolt, which describes itself as an anti-racist, anti-capitalist group dedicated to uniting working class whites and oppressed minorities, carried rifles around, and formed a security perimeter around the counter-protesters in Justice Park. In the mass of hundreds of people, it was not always possible to see who was instigating the fights. As it filled with rally-goers and counter-protesters, the mix quickly became volatile. Two sides screamed at each other. Counter-protesters, including Antifa, fought back. Uh, People started swinging sticks, punching, spraying chemicals. Others threw balloons filled with paint or ink at white nationalists. Unable to continue rallying in the park, the white supremacists took to the streets where they were quickly followed and confronted violently by anti-racists, probably by Antifa identifiers. Several more extremely violent confrontations took place. Then, following the clashes, a white supremacist rammed his car into the counter-protest, killing a young woman named Heather Heyer, who was 32. Uh, so, yeah. So, there's a, 
that gets a lot of press around Antifa. Two and a half months later, October 28th, 2017, the first documented Q drop appears on 4chan under the poll board. Uh, we went over that drop earlier. Over the next four days, 17 Q drops would appear. These drops were attributed to Q through something called a trip code, a unique identifier on 4chan that provides a, or that proves a series of anonymous posts are written by the same person or by the you know same people accessing the same 4chan login. The first drops reference HRC extradition, referring to Hillary Rodham Clinton, a clear throwback to many to Pizzagate and the idea that Hillary Clinton engaged in child sex trafficking. The next 17 drops established Donald Trump's role in the theory as the central hero bent on exposing a deep state cabal. Here we go! Uh, more drops introduce Operation Mockingbird, an alleged plot by mainstream media to hide the global elite's satanic crimes through fake news. Many of the initial Q drops were phrased as a series of questions, and thus they generated a lot of engagement. As various individuals tried to answer these questions with their knowledge of conspiracy theory. Uh, it was shit like this cryptic, nonsensical uh, drop from October 31st, 2017. So just one day into the QAnon phenomena. Uh, Q goes, what is state secrets and how upheld in SC? Look, I need that music again. What must occur to allow for civilian trials? Why is this relevant? What was Flynn's background? Why is this relevant? Does POTUS know where the bodies are buried? Does POTUS have the goods on most bad actors? Was Trump asked to run for president? Why? By who? Was HRC next in line? Was the election supposed to be rigged? Did good people prevent the rigging? So Q really going uh, full Sarah McLaughlin there, building that mystery. Ah, oh, it's a good excuse to talk about Sarah McLaughlin for a second. Uh, did any of you used to fantasize about meeting and then falling in love with uh, Sarah McLaughlin and then run, like running away with her? Like maybe for years? Did you maybe build the fantasy out in your head so far that you guys had rough patches in your relationship? You worked really hard to kind of push through, uh, even though the relationship was with a, a person you'd never met? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, me, ne me neither. That's, <laughs> that's fucking crazy. I for sure didn't do that for most of my 20s. Anyway, and early, I love Sarah McLaughlin. Anyway, in early QAnon drops, the most mentioned topics were Hillary Clinton, POTUS, right, Donald Trump, the aforementioned Operation Mockingbird, uh, the philanthropist George Soros, right, because people who give lots of money to good causes, like Bill, Bill, <laughs> why is it? Why did I say Bill Clinton? Oh my God, Bill Gates and George Soros, obviously evil cabal members, uh, Huma Abedin. Uh, by the close of November 2017, there were 223 Q drops. The majority of them expanding on previous theories about Hillary Clinton. Lots of locker up cries being yelled. Lots of high fives. Ah, get her, get her, come on. Uh, these missives added to the cast of characters referencing Barack Obama, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Antifa. Antifa appeared in the Q drop uh, October 30th, 2017. So right away, right? That first day of the drops. Um, and as a nod to those of you who may hate Antifa, while we can't prove Antifa members aren't behind many examples of looting associated with various riots and protests the past few years, we also can't prove some people associated with Antifa have not been behind some of it. Uh, anarchists and communists have long been associated with the movement. I'm, I'm sure uh, there have been those who both hate fascists, fascists and also love creating mayhem in a capitalist system that they have no love for. So on that on that one side of it, I, I do get the angst, right? I don't want them fucking breaking my shit either. Uh, November 4th, 2017, Q first uses the term the Great Awakening to refer to the Judgment Day type scenario when the pedophile cabal will be toppled and justice will be restored. The Great Awakening will become one of the conspiracy's most recognizable slogans. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, a code for Hillary Clinton in Saudi Arabia, begins to appear in Q-Drops as well. 
working into a bigger conspiracy that alleges that Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton were beholden to Saudi interests. In particular, Prince Al-Walid bin Talal, a Saudi prince and businessman to whom both uh, supposedly owed lots of money. And yes, that Saudi prince also fucks and eats kids. Of course he does. Are you even a wealthy global elite if you haven't sacrificed at least one kid to Satan? Uh, another emerging conspiracy theory alleged that the Obama administration had secretly assisted the governments of Iran and North Korea to develop their nuclear weapons programs. And why would Obama do that? Well, because uh, obviously he he hates uh, freedom and probably puppies. Don't worry about it. All will be revealed when the Q storm blows through town and blows your fucking mind. Uh, along with the frequently mentioned players, Iran, North Korea, Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, former National Security Advisor, Michael Flynn, they start cropping up too, right? They were naughty to Trump, so they must be evil, cabal members. In December of 2017, there were another 219 drops. As a Republican politician and outspoken critic of Trump, John McCain is added to QAnon's cast of villains. Trump will mock McCain for being a loser because he was a POW. I got to say that really pissed me off when I watch that shit go down on C-SPAN. How about no one, especially those of us who have never served, uh, like Trump and myself, ever disparaged the reputation of a war hero for being captured and try to portray that as some kind of weakness? Is that, uh, you know, making them a loser? It's so fucked up. Uh, some of December's Q drops alleged that McCain had connections to terrorist groups, the Free Syrian Army, Saudi Arabia. Then the growing QAnon community was further bolstered by a government press release entitled United States Sanctions, Human Rights Abusers, and Bad Actors Across the Globe. They believed that the author's, uh, the release's author was none other than Q. But the actual text isn't that interesting. It, it just uh, names some world leaders. The administration accuses of human rights abuses and none of them are arrested. Now, nah, bummer. So, so hard to arrest the cabal. Uh, the drops continued in 2018. 200 more made in January alone. This is when some of the followers start to believe that Donald Trump is secretly addressing them on Twitter. He's winking at them. The evidence for this is supposedly that Trump uh, misspelled a tweet correcting the word consensual to consequential. The 8 con image board uh, overflowed with discussions about this added cue. What did it mean? It must be intentional. They couldn't have meant that Trump accidentally spelled a different word when typing fast like I do multiple times every single fucking day. Uh, they seem to forget that Trump misspelled words and tweets uh, on what felt like a weekly basis for the entire four years he was in office. Right? Dude fired off a lot of tweets. Not all going to be grammatically correct. Uh, not all going to have the right words. Around this time, there were claims that the QAnon community on 4chan had been infiltrated, so the hardcore QAnon community now moves to 8chan. Q then attempts to reestablish their authority during this move, conf confirming their trip code on the new platform. However, suspicions arise regarding Q's identity. Did the, uh, you know, did the reign switch hands? Some think this is when 8chan's site administrator, Ron Watkins, started acting as Q. Or possibly when his dad, 8chan server owner, uh, server's owner, uh, Jim Watkins, took over. It would take an entire episode to explain why Q eventually probably was one of those two guys. Uh, the HBO docuseries does lay out a lot of compelling evidence, if you're curious. Between February and March of 2018, Q would make 323 drops. This period sees Q's first mention of the name Operation Merlin. Operation Merlin refers to the plot by the Obama administration to send technology to Iran and North Korea. Q alleged that as part of the operation, U.S. authorities also sent flights carrying billions of dollars in payoffs to the satanic cabal. Totally, that tracks. That is why the U.S. debt is so massive. The evil cabal payments. We'd have a surplus. We'd all be rich. We would all be rich. The fucking Democrats and most of the Republicans didn't stop giving, you know, all of our tax money to satanic kid eaters to stop them from exposing them as also being satanic kid eaters. Fuck you, Nancy Pelosi. Fuck you, Mitch McConnell. Stop selling us out to the satanic pedos. Q 
Q also declared that cell towers, phones, and Amazon Alexa, Google Home, smart speakers, all capable of voice-to-skull technology, emitting frequencies that implant thoughts and mind control anyone who hears them. Weird that those same mind control cell towers obviously did not control their minds because if they did, they wouldn't be able to expose the towers for doing the mind controlling. So I guess the cell towers only control the minds of the people who don't want their minds controlled. I don't know. The globalists are probably just working out a lot of glitches, right? And the mind control technology. I love that specific claim. If you really think about it, it's the most nonsensical claim. The cell towers are controlling all of our thoughts. No, they're not, you fucking dummy. If that was true, you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't be able to say that because your thoughts would be controlled to prevent you from fucking speaking the truth. (sighs) Blackberry, to continued, was now destroyed by the global cabal for not complying with the mind control goals. Edward Snowden also emerges as a central figure of interest in Q's lore. Q claims that the CIA used computer games to send coded orders for illegal operations to rogue operatives like Snowden. With these themes, big tech companies, namely Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, and Google, took the spotlight in Q-drops. Edward Snowden, the CIA, the question of Russian interference in U.S. politics also become frequent mentions. Uh, between April and May of 2018, 450 Q-drops make their way to QAnon bakers, making that sweet Q-bread. Oh, so tasty. No calories, but it will eat your fucking brain. Uh, Q continued to focus on deep state collusion with foreign powers claiming that these shadowy people had mined uranium in Syria to sell to Iran and covered up the deal by blaming the Russians. Uh, Q-Drops considered whether Iran was continuing work on a nuclear facility in northern Syria, stoking supporters' fears about nuclear war. Why would they want nuclear war, right? Uh, You would think that would interfere with the adrenochrome harvesting. Hard to keep harvesting those tasty-ass tortured kids if they've been nuked. I don't know. Maybe the Satanists like their kid meat extra crispy, a little radioactive. On April 3rd, 2018, Q first uses WWG1WGA, the acronym for the slogan, where we go one, we go all. You can find lots of videos, Q people. Where we go one, we go all. Ah. Uh, This is thought to be a reference from a mostly forgotten 90s Ridley Scott movie called White Squall. It would uh, become another common, you know, uh, phrase spouted among QAnon followers using hashtags, uh, used in places all across the internet. That month, Q's trip code password is leaked allowing several QAnon followers to now post from the uh, supposedly official Q account. Then a new trip code for Q is whitelisted and accepted by followers as being Q, but this new code could belong to anyone. Was Q another person now, right? Possibly again another person? Alongside their focus on Syria and uranium deals during this period, Q drops start to draw attention to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, On May 31st, 2018, Strange Story airs on the nightly news in Tucson, Arizona. KOLD News 13 reporter Kevin Adger tells viewers that a local veterans' right activist named Lewis Arthur has made a horrific discovery in the bushes beside the frontage road, a bunker that has been used as a stopover by global child sex traffickers. Holy shit, it's all true! Everything Q has said is true or something. Uh, The reporter pointed out children's clothes, an old toilet seat, a septic tank. Uh, That was where Arthur claimed kids had been held against their will. Fucking satanic globalists. The storm's coming, baby! Too late to grab your umbrellas, you leftist piece of shit. Too late to put on your raincoats, right? Adrenochrome farmer people. You're going to drown now. You're going to drown in the truth. Arthur had stumbled across the camp while canvassing the area for homeless vets. He posted an outrage rant on Facebook, started getting comments, a lot of comments. When he posted videos arguing there were probably bodies buried at the camp and that it was part of a network of Arizona sex trafficking sites, his series topped 680,000 views in a matter of days. Only problem, story's not true. Tucson police and sheriff's deputies investigated the site. They found nothing more than a former homeless camp where just some homeless people slept. 
Uh, literally no evidence at all of anything related to kids or sex trafficking. Arthur then tells everybody that, uh, you know, the, the law enforcement's lying. They're covering it up. He claims that he and two friends found proof a child's skull. Well, officers send that skull to the Pima County Medical Examiner who concludes that it belonged to an adult and that it was found miles away from the homeless camp where he claimed, homeless camp where he claimed all this shit happened. So does the story now go away? No, of course not. It keeps growing because who cares what law enforcement says, right? When you think they could all be in on it, they could all be deep state liars and puppets. You get to keep making up your own stories forever. You get to treat wild accusations as proven facts. From as far as ways Australia now, Cuba believers start traveling to Tucson, desperate, right, uh, uh, to, to find more proof of this global child sex trafficking cabal, right? As more and more people travel there, their stories become more elaborate. The skull turns into a partial corpse now. Uh, the camp becomes evidence of a massive pedophile ring implicating Cemex, the Mexican cement company that owned the property. They're in on it. Some of Arthur's followers find more bones, supposedly, suggest they come from children who had died terrible deaths. Medical examiners do analyze some of these bones and conclude that they are deer bones. Not kidding. Holy shit. Obviously, we now know that the satanic pedophiles also molesting deer. What won't they do? Getting that sweet fawn adrenochrome, molesting, harvesting Bambi. July 8th, Tucson authorities arrest Arthur on a charge of trespassing. Spends the night in jail. Uh, he's arrested again, July 22nd, for more trespassing and also arrested for a uh, assault charge. After reviewing hours of Arthur's live streams, authorities determine that Arthur is a bit unhinged. Arthur then publicly calls out Tucson's mayor and sheriff on Facebook, saying that they're covering evidence up because they're complicit in the sex trafficking. Of course they are. On Facebook, now one of his supporters threatens to slit the mayor's throat and line up local police officials in front of a firing squad and then put them in a wood chipper. Sweet. All of this just creates more Q-believers. A contingent of the Oath Keepers, a national far-right militia group, launches Operation Child Shield. They come to town now, looking for more sex trafficking sites that don't exist. Meanwhile, on the internet, from June to July, there are another 352 Q-drops. And the paranoia fueled by all these drops will lead to more craziness. On July 15, 2018, an Arizona resident blocks a bridge near the Hoover Dam with an armored vehicle. The driver, Matthew Wright, would later plead guilty to a terrorism charge. Why did he do this? Matthew was furious with Trump for not making the storm come, for not bringing the mass arrest that Q had been promising for seven months. Police said Wright had two military-style rifles, two handguns, 900 rounds of ammunition in his vehicle. Right? He's fucking, he's had it. He wants to get those pedos. At his trial, a judge rejects a plea deal that would have given Wright less than 10 years in prison. The judge thought it was too lenient. From jail, Wright will write letters to Trump and other elected officials using language he learned from QAnon. Uh, he is in prison right now, wondering when the fuck the storm's gonna finally come and get him out of jail and put the bad people in jail. Uh, he will be in prison at least until 2027. On June 16th, Q releases a hit list of 101 reporters who allegedly had colluded with the DNC during the 2016 election. Fun. Q now calling for reporters to be murdered. Subsequent Q drops accuse the British government of working with Obama to sabotage the same election. Uh, the summer of 2018 will continue to be a big one for QAnon. Uh, July 31st, an interesting arrest is made. A man charged with allegedly making threats against Donald Trump and the Trump family uh, made several references to the QAnon conspiracy theory before his arrest. Right? <laughs> Finally wrapped all the way around back to someone wanting to go after Trump now. His name is Jeffrey Boyd. Boyd had initially driven from his home in Tulsa, Oklahoma to Pennsylvania, according to a police report, because he had become convinced that a Pennsylvania woman who posted about QAnon on Twitter was being held hostage by satanic elites. <laughs> Boyd allegedly told the woman that he planned to go to Washington, D.C. to shoot Trump and other members of the Trump family. Why? 
Who the fuck knows? Boyd claimed he was being mind controlled by the CIA. All right, some MK Ultra shit. The woman who asked to be identified only by her first name of Kate told the Daily Beast that she warned uh, Boyd not to try to ram his truck into a gate at the White House. When authorities looked at his messages, they saw that Boyd repeatedly referenced the Q-verse. Uh, for example, he wrote that he had first encountered the woman on the Calm Before the Storm internet forum devoted to analyzing QAnon clues. In another message, Boyd claimed God was giving him breadcrumbs. Using the same term QAnon followers right used to describe the clues they received from Q. Boyd was charged with four counts of making terroristic threats to kill Donald Trump, Ivanka Trump, Donald Trump Jr., and Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner. So he's in prison. Uh, the strange incidents will continue. On August 6, 2018, a 51-year-old man named Forrest Gordon Clark is arrested and accused of igniting the fire that blackened 23,000 acres in Riverside and Orange Counties. He's charged with aggravated arson, arson of inhabited property, arson of forest, and making criminal threats. Clark set the fire called the Holy Fire because it began in the Holy Jim Canyon area on August 6th. The flames wouldn't be contained until September 13th, burned for a long time, over a month, five weeks of devastation. The blaze forced the evacuation of thousands of residents, destroyed 18 structures. During a two-day preliminary hearing in December, uh, December, Orange County Fire Authority Captain William Lackey testified that Clark's next-door neighbor in Holy Jim Canyon, Frank Romero, used his phone to record four minutes of the defendant threatening to kill Romero hours before the fire was set. Uh, Clark allegedly said in the recording, which was mostly audio since it was taken through a bathroom window, mark my words, you're going to die at 1237. I clap my hands and people die. I can wipe out whole families. Clark also allegedly said, I'm fucking crazy now. Fair. And I can get away with it. I have 100% plausible deniability. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, Clark uh, was also way into Pizzagate and QAnon and had posted videos about both for years. Well, you know, posted about QAnon since it came out and then posted about Pizzagate before that. Mental illness plus Pizzagate plus QAnon equals terrible things. Uh, QAnon will make its way to the White House in August of 2018. On August 23rd, uh, a prominent conspiracy theorist named Lionel LeBron meets with President Trump at the White House. LeBron ran a YouTube channel called Lionel Nation where he posted about QAnon constantly. Around this time, he posted a video guide for those who want to be a QAnon apostle. The movement grows and feels legitimized now by Lionel's White House visit. Fun. On September 20th, 2018, less than a month later, an Oregon Q-Truther is arrested on charges of threatening YouTube employees. William Gregory Douglas, 35, allegedly posted a series of tweets threatening to shoot YouTube employees in response to restrictions being placed upon his YouTube channel, according to an FBI criminal complaint. These tweets included messages like, I could kill the 100 YouTube employees. You want a bigger mass casualty, a.k.a. shooting? Let's see what I can do. Uh, return my channel, you low-life shoals. <laughs> I guess you want to say asshole, maybe. I don't know. Before someone else comes and shoots more of your employees. Holy shit. In a message directed to YouTube CEO, Susan Wojcicki, uh, Douglas allegedly said, Susan, I'm coming for you today. Hashtag pray. Okay. Uh, Douglas had a long history of posting weird Q shit on his YouTube channel, Liam Xmail Revolution X. Douglas uh, will be arrested by the FBI outside a convenience store in Cave Junction, Oregon, and he's not getting out of incarceration anytime soon. Uh, between August and September of 2018, 517 more Q drops. 517 more little puzzles for people to decode or have someone trying to code for them. More little puzzles to help push their mental instability and paranoia into real-world violence. The Q industry is booming. The drops are getting more serious now. While QAnon had initially been a descriptive phenomenon describing to people what was going on in the shady upper levels of government, now Q starts calling his followers to action. Many of the Q drops focus on awakening from the fake news media. Come on, sheeple. With the urge to be sheep no more and spark a grand awakening. 
These slogans promote a sense of solidarity. And like any cult, uh, and the inner workings of the, the QAnon, uh, you know, uh, chat rooms, I mean, it, it became a cult, reinforced the idea of an in-group of people with the truth and the outside sheeple world. Uh, Q dr uh, drop struck a strong political tone in August and September, repeatedly encouraging followers to vote in the U.S. midterm elections in order to secure Republican victories across the board. Uh, that doesn't happen in the 2018 midterm. Democrats gained more than 23 seats they needed to take control of the House. First time the party held a majority in the lower house of Congress for eight years. The loss of the House made it harder for President Trump to push his policies forward, though he did retain the Senate. What the fuck, you? You let him down. It's almost like you don't have any real political influence and are just insane. It's almost like there is no storm and your posts are hollow and meaningless. Uh, Q drops 341 more posts between October and December of 2018. When the Democrats take the House representatives in the 2018 midterm elections, QAnon raises allegations of electoral fraud foreshadowing the same controversy that will take place with the 2020 presidential election. QAnon conspiracy theorists accuse the Democratic Party of filling out blank ballots, destroying legal ones, organizing non-citizen voting. Uh, it's here that Q will, co will, will coin another strange term in the Qverse, the term uh, Scaramucci play. Uh, in, it referenced a theory that the White House Director of Communications, Anthony Scaramucci, had been hired to remove untrustworthy staffers like the press secretary, Sean Spicer, and Chief of Staff, Rents, uh, oh man, I didn't look up his name, Priebus, I think is how you say it. Unsurprisingly, electoral fraud was the most mentioned topic in Q drops from October to December. Q also made constant allegations of corruption in the Democratic Party and Department of Justice. November 30th, 2018 in Florida, a Broward Sheriff's uh, Office SWAT member, Jesus Christ, SWAT team member named Matt Patton wore a QAnon patch while greeting Vice President Mike Pence at Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. On his uniform, you can see a circular patch above his chest, uh, a red background with a big black Q in the middle. Patton was demoted right after it was reported, and I think he should have been fired. A law enforcement officer believing all the paranoid, inflammatory, mentally unstable shit we have just gone over? Beyond unacceptable. Pence deleted a tweet that included his photo with Patton, and then many QAnoners, right, now felt that Pence was a deep state operative. They start to turn on him. On December 7th, 2018, former White House Communications Director Anthony Scaramucci starts engaging with QAnon. Maybe, maybe he's just fucking with people. It's kind of hard to tell. According to Politico, Scaramucci, while at the American Priority Conference, noticed that a married couple from Virginia was sporting some QAnon paraphernalia. Same type of thing that got Matt Patton demoted. Uh, Scaramucci strikes up a conversation with the couple, telling them the mystery person behind QAnon had been dead accurate about so many things. He added, when you find out who he is, you are not going to believe it. Uh, Politico approached him for comments. Scaramucci said his comments were not referring to Q, instead referred to uh, mm, uh, an earlier conversation he had with a couple about uh, who would succeed John Kelly as Trump's chief of staff. Then Scaramucci said his comments should be taken off the record. And the conference organizer said the event was closed to the press. Unfortunately for the mooch, uh, the couple, Kathy and Steve uh, Maroy, were not aware of Scaramucci's cover story. And they told the reporter, oh yeah, he's talking about Q. Uh, what the fuck? Uh, dangerous game, Scaramucci. People are threatening people's lives over this Q shit. People are going to die over this Q shit. Any politician fanning the flames of this insanity, is that's just garbage. It's just morally irresponsible. Uh, December 12, 2018, former San Juan Capistrano City Councilwoman Pam Patterson, after losing her reelection bid, quotes a recent Q drop. Patterson's going away speech started normal enough. She recalled residents she honored during her appointed tenure as mayor, including Roy Burns, who served on the council, the council in the 70s before returning for a final council term in 2012. And then Patterson abruptly invoked the mysterious Q after all the reminiscing and recited an abridged version of Q's recent November drop, which was dropped 2,436. 
Uh, she said, for far too long, we've been silent and allowed our bands of strength that we once formed to defend freedom and liberty to deteriorate. We became divided. We became weak. We elected traitors to govern us. We allowed evil to prey on us. Those who claimed to represent us gave us false hope, made false promises. The evil and corruption only grew. We must rise again. We must unite again. We must fight again for God and country. She finished up by saying, I am sounding the call for the Patriot residents to come together and protect our community. God bless America. God bless Q. And God bless San Juan Capistrano. Nice. Way to take a big old giant shit on your political career on the way out of office. Uh, January 6, 2019, a self-proclaimed member of the far-right Proud Boys, who was also a big fan of the Q-verse, murders his own brother with a sword. So now we have that. Bucky Wolf, 26, killed his brother with her home in Seattle by stabbing him in the head with a four-foot-long sword. Wolf called police himself after the killing, claimed he thought his brother was a lizard, a lizard person. When detectives arrived, he asked them if they saw other lizards, according to court filings. And he was charged with second-degree murder. After investigating his online habits, it was obvious he was not mentally stable. Uh, Wolf posted on everything from QAnon and lizard people to uh, bloodline conspiracies. Wolf referenced swords multiple times in QAnon posts, saying that they would be used to defeat the Illuminati. In one post, he referred to bloodlines of the Illuminati, the same language used by a faction of QAnon believers, who think the conspiracy theory is actually about powerful families of disguised lizard people. You know, like the, the Rothschilds, the Medici's, that kind of shit. On his YouTube channel, Wolf declared that Trump would soon triumph over his enemies and begin the storm. It's coming and it's going to be good, Wolf said. Y'all are going to get your just dues. I will be so happy. You have no idea. Uh, he even wrote somewhere online that he had watched just about every single Alex Jones episode ever made. That's not good. Watching that much Alex Jones, uh, really not good, uh, especially if you are mentally ill. That is not an echo chamber that's going to turn a troubled mind uh, towards anything good. The Q universe runs into the mafia in March of 2019. On March 13th in Staten Island, 24-year-old Anthony Camello allegedly murders a leader in the Gambino crime family. Mr. Camello arrived at the home of Francesco Frankie Boy Cali, a leader in the Gambino family, uh, lured him outside. Uh, the men spoke briefly. Then prosecutors say Mr. Camello pulled a gun from his car, shot Mr. Cali, leaving him to die in the street. Mr. Camello was arrested three days later, charged with murder. Uh, Camello told his lawyers he had no intention of murdering Cali. He just wanted to arrest him. The reason for the arrest, he claimed, was that he believed that Cali was a prominent member of the deep state. Come on, just let me arrest you for being a deep state guy. Now, this wasn't the first time Camello had done this. In February, Mr. Camello had twice tried to conduct his own arrest of Mayor Bill de Blasio, including one instance in which he showed up at Gracie Mansion, the mayoral home in Manhattan, trying to arrest the mayor for being a deep state puppet. He also tried to arrest Democratic Congress people, uh, Maxine Waters, Adam Schiff. Uh, he's very troubled. At Mr. Camillo's first court appearance for the murder of Callie in March, he displayed symbols and phrases associated with QAnon scrawled onto his hand with a pen. In June of 2020, Camillo was found mentally unfit to stand trial. Of, of course he was. Things get even weirder in April. Every year, the Grass Valley Charter School in Grass Valley, California, holds a Blue Marble Jubilee fundraiser. It would have been held on, Mar uh, on May 11th, 2019, were it not for an incoherent QAnon conspiracy that appeared on April 29th, 2019. The mess started with a QAnon decode of a tweet by James Comey in which he participated in a Twitter meme by listing five jobs he'd had. Comey listed one, grocery store clerk, two, vocal soloist for church weddings, three, chemist, four, strike replacement high school teacher, five, FBI director, interrupted. He posted this on April 27th. By the 29th, QAnoners had seen, they knew what he was really saying. <laughs> okay, they read between the lines. They decided, they decoded it. They had the message all figured out by removing the letters. <laughs> 
The hashtag could be shortened to 5Jihad, they argued. And then some claimed that the first letter of every job listed, G-V-C-S-F, code, obvi, for Grass Valley Charter School Foundation. They further speculated that Comey was signaling to them that the upcoming Blue Marble Jubilee was obviously going to be the site of a deep state false flag attack. So QAnoners across the country called the school, make fucking death threats to the administrators, uh, threatened to crash the celebration. Local police determined that the threats uh, are not credible, but organizers still canceled the event out of an abundance of caution. So these idiots ruined a fundraiser for no reason. And, and I just keep thinking, why does the Q crowd think that, uh, you know, Q needs to speak to them in code or that other, you know, deep state people need to speak to them in code all the time? There's so much fascination with codes. You know, uh, one of, uh, uh, you know, these, these image board sites, one of their most noteworthy features is the ability to give users real anonymity. You know, so uh, if you think about that, like Q could just speak plainly and tell them exactly what to do in these drops. No weird cryptic messages are, are necessary. How, how do Q believers not understand that? Uh, probably because logic and reason, not an important part of the world. I keep forgetting that. Uh, shit would slow down from April to June. During those two months, there were only 42 Q drops. Q was probably too busy organizing a shoe closet or something, you know, doing some spring cleaning. Uh, didn't have time to try and keep more innocent kids from being raped and sacrificed and harvested. You know, didn't have time to usher in that pedo storm. You know, priorities. Uh, that April, the Mueller report is released. Robert Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, Mueller decides not to indict the president. The reason, he said, is a Justice Department opinion issued during the Watergate scandal. Says that a sitting president cannot be indicted. This is internal agency policy from 1973, not a law or court ruling. Mueller put his conclusion this way. If we had confidence that the president clearly didn't commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. It was a confusing moment for many, including QAnon. Until its release, QAnon believed that the Mueller report would be part of the attempt to expose the global cabal. Once again, people are disappointed when that continues to not happen. It's a stupid storm. Come on. Everyone's had their raincoats on for <laughs> like a lot, long time now. We're hot. We want the, we want the storm. Another QAnon hero would enter the Qverse bizarrely. In May 2019, Isaac Cappy, 42, was a film actor who performed in several small roles in the films Thor, Terminator Salvation, uh, Beer Fest, others. On May 13th of 2019, he jumps off the Trans-Western Road Bridge near Belmont, Arizona. Two people saw him immediately before he jumped, unsuccessfully tried to save him. QAnon would see him as a hero. Uh, Cap Cappy had been baselessly accusing Hollywood actors, notice, uh, notably Seth Green, of being involved in child sex trafficking rings. Uh, he went full Corey Feldman. He never offered substantial evidence of his claims, probably because there, I'm going to say there wasn't any, for sure. Uh, but his accusations did land him an interview with Alex Jones on InfoWars. Perfect. Uh, I'm sure Alex helped all, all this. I'm sure Alex really calmed him down. During that interview, Cappy claimed that he suspected Seth Green was a pedophile because Green allegedly had told him, quote, we need to talk about chicken. <laughs> if you're not familiar, Seth Green is the creator producer of the long-running Adult Swim sketch show called Robot Chicken. So it seems like, you know, maybe more likely uh, that Cappy uh, misinterpreted a reference to Green's work as opposed to Green just, you know, exposed himself as a member of some pedophile cabal. Cappy had a long history of mental instability. In August of 2018, TMZ reported he allegedly choked Paris Jackson, daughter of Michael Jackson, at, at a party. Cappy reportedly sent text, mas text messages to Paris Jackson after the incident that she found so concerning she blocked his number and strengthened her personal security team. In Isaac Cappy's final Instagram post, he said, I have not been a good guy. In fact, I've been a pretty bad guy throughout this life. Cappy said that he had used people, owed money, dealt drugs, abused his body with narcotics, cigarettes, and alcohol. 
Cappy also apologized to the Q movement, saying, To the Q movement, I am so sorry I brought shame upon the greatest military operation of all time. But really, I've only brought shame upon myself. Uh, so maybe Q pushed this mentally unstable person over the edge. Unsurprisingly, conspiracy theories about Cappy's death and takeoff in the QAnon world. Uh, one theory holds that Tom Hanks was somehow responsible in Cappy's death. Hanks did it. Hanks posted a photo on Instagram in April that showed an old glove with the caption, Historic Route 66. Roadkill? Question mark? I hope not. Hanks. Obviously, that's an admission of guilt. If you read between the lines after shaking your head until you're dizzy. I've referenced Tom Hanks uh, so many times. What, what all has Q and the Q believers, what have they said about Hanks? Well, after it was reported that Hanks contracted the coronavirus on March 11th, 2020, a QAnon influencer and convicted bank robber named Tommy Gelati, who once co-hosted a Barstool Sports podcast with, Iker, with actor Michael Rappaport, began speculating that Hanks' haircut proved he was secretly hosting Saturday Night Live for prison. I don't know if you remember seeing that time when he, uh, Hanks hosted SNL with his head shaved. He talked about it was for uh, a role he had done in a movie. Uh, why was he in prison? Fucking Q-Storm took him down for pedophilia. That's what people started believing in the Q world. Then on March 17th, uh, Oprah Winfrey tweeted about a conspiracy theory embraced by the QAnon community, claiming she was arrested in a global sex trafficking ring. Uh, she said it's not true, haven't been raided or arrested, just sanitizing and self-distancing with the rest of the world. Then a QAnon Facebook post from June shared more than 32,000 times reads, it's crazy. Many people don't know Oprah on house arrest for sex trafficking kids, as well as Tom Hanks and the Clintons. Then in August of 2020, when Tom Hanks becomes a Greek citizen, it's rumored by many in the Q community that he was fleeing to Greece to escape being taken down by the impending Trump-led Q storm. It was rumored that Greece, you know, takes it easy on pedophilia. Uh, why did Hanks become a Greek citizen? Hanks... His wife, Wilson, Rita Wilson, their kids were awarded honorary Greek citizenship after their work in bringing attention to a July 2018 wildfire near Athens that killed more than 100 people, according to the BBC. Right? So that's what kills me about a lot of these accusations. Like they're, they get so mad at people who are, who are just doing good things, like philanthropists, and then people who fucking never help anybody, I'm guessing. Just like, ah, oh, they're evil. Uh, Hanks uh, and Wilson have been visiting Greece for years and who uh, own a home on the island of Antiparos. Uh, they had, uh, Wilson had Greek heritage. Uh, Hanks converted to the Greek Orthodox Church. They both expressed their love and admiration for the nation for, for many years. So, you know, that's why that they got, they became Greek citizens. Maybe, uh, or maybe not. We do, we do have one more sponsor today. And I will say this sponsor does seem to strongly contradict the mainstream narrative I've just shared with you. Uh, just, you just gotta hear it. Time Suck is brought to you today by Tom Hanks' new business venture, the Tom Hanks Satanic Athens Adrenochrome Academy. Hey, I'm Tom Hanks. Now, you probably know me from films like Toy Story, uh, The Da Vinci Code, Forrest Gump, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Cast Away, and more. I'm a huge movie star. And as a movie star, it's important for me to look and feel my best. Did you know that I was 217 years old? That's right. Originally, my showbiz name was Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Before that, I toured as Mark Twain. So how do I do it? The right diet? An incredible fitness regimen? <laughs> Heck No. I eat what I want, and the only workout I do is chasing down, torturing, fucking, and harvesting the adrenochrome of frightened children. Warm, freshly molested children's blood and adrenochrome all over my face, lighting down my throat, just like Satan wants. And if you want to stay young, if you want to be rich and powerful like me, you'll come join me and my wife, Rita, out in Athens at the Tom Hanks Satanic Athens Adrenochrome Academy. Enjoy the white sands of nearby beaches, all while listening to the terrified cries of frightened children. 
We've kidnapped for your molesting and torturing and executing pleasure. Enjoy the best euro you've ever tasted and then wash it down with some kitty chrome. That's what Rita calls it. You know it goes great with some chicken shavlaki. Kitty chrome. <laughs> Let Rita and I and probably George Soros and maybe Nancy Pelosi and certainly Roy Disney. Maybe even Pat Sajak. Definitely Dan's dad. Teach you how to really torture and really scare those little chitlins before you slit their fucking throats. Warm waters of the Mediterranean, great food, good company, dead kids, Satan's eternal youth. That is what the Tom Hanks Satanic Athens Adrenochrome Academy is all about. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know when you're going to fucking kill some kids. Uh, TimeSuck does not endorse or agree with the claims of the Tom Hanks Satanic Athens Adrenochrome Academy. We do take their money because they pay really well and they are uh, uh, part of the deep state as, as we are as well. I apologize for that terrible Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks impression. Wait, what am I saying? Haha, <laughs> JK, that was that was really that was really him. You you were tricked. Uh weird to have him throw my dad in there. But I gotta say I'm not shocked. All right, moving along. <laughs> I, I tried. Uh though law enforcement had been aware of Q's hijinks for some time, it was not until May 30th, 2019 that the FBI would label QAnon extremists. The FBI intelligence bulletin from the Bureau's Phoenix field office, dated May 30th, 2019, describes conspiracy-driven or conspiracy theory driven domestic extremists as a growing threat, specifically QAnon. Uh, July 6, 2019, big day for the Qverse. Jeffrey Epstein is arrested by the FBI NYPD Crimes Against Children Task Force at Teterboro Airport, New Jersey on sex trafficking charges. Q drops discuss the people responsible for the sex trafficking crimes, the real people like Bill and Hillary Clinton, right? As well as other traffickers, uh, noted Nexium uh, member, human trafficker, Allison Mack. So, oh shit, here comes the storm. A uh, storm is coming for sure now. No way the storm doesn't get everybody now. Get ready to suck Satan's dick in prison, Tom Hanks. August 10th, 2019, Epstein either hangs himself or honestly is probably murdered. Uh, he dies before naming anyone. No cabal is exposed. Nothing changes. That one stinks for the Q world, right? I'm sure there was a lot of, oh, it's goddamn. Ah, come on. Damn it, Satan. Uh, the Q world puts their umbrellas away. No storm. August of 2019, the Q uh, drops stop. 8chan is taken down after investigations into three shootings around the world in August uh, that revealed that the attackers had used their website to spread hateful manifestos. No Q drops appeared until QAnon managed to transition to 8con, a rebranded version of 8chan that launched in November. And who was running 8con at that time? Well, Jim and Ron Watkins. Same guys from 8chan. So interesting. Uh, September 25th, 2019, a QAnon supporter smashes up the chapel of the Holy Hill in Sedona, Arizona. As tourists took pictures and video of the Catholic chapel nested in the Red Rocks, Timothy Larson entered the building, started swinging a crowbar around at the altar. It's a pretty wild video. Uh, he also sprayed the words evil and spray paint outside on the sidewalk while shouting about the Catholic church's ties to human trafficking. 41-year-old Timothy Larson arrested a few hours after the incident. Larson used QAnon hashtags on social media and referred to vandalizing the church as one of his missions. November 11th, 2019, Ron Watkins, I mean Q, breaks the silence with his first drop since August. 203 more would come before December. December 30th, 2019, Montana police will arrest a QAnoner in the, uh, uh, from Colorado in connection with the kidnapping scheme. Colorado child welfare officials had removed Cynthia Absug's seven-year-old son from her custody in the spring of 2019. Her daughter told law enforcement that her mother and her mother's friends were QAnon believers and that they were planning a kidnapping raid, no doubt believing that the young boy had been taken for the benefit of the global cabal. Tom Hanks, probably sitting in a Bozeman mansion, waiting for a new kid delivery, licking his chops. Uh, Opsug's daughter told police that her brother's foster family were referred to as pedophiles and evil Satan worshipers. 
Abhisag eventually left Colorado and traveled around the country, receiving assistance from a network of QAnon supporters before being arrested in Montana. In September 2020, Abhisag pleads not guilty to conspiracy to commit second-degree kidnapping. Now comes 2020. The first three months or so, QAnon makes, or Q, makes 265 drops. March of 2020, Q perpetuates accusations that Democratic governors forced infected COVID-19 patients to visit nursing homes, deliberately causing the majority of the country's COVID-19 deaths. Okay. Sounds, sounds legit. Just these Democratic governors, get in there. Get on her. Walk around the old people. Walk around my nana. Just cough on her. Come on. Lick her face. Yes. That'll please the devil. Uh, on August 6, 2020, Colleyville, Texas Mayor Bobby Lindemood uses his Facebook page to post a giant red, white, and blue Q. He added a not-so-secret message, some know. He was then both ridiculed and supported. I feel like he should have been removed from office for being mentally unfit. Uh, on June 11th, 2020, Boston man led police on a 20-mile car chase while, li while live streaming a monologue about QAnon. Uh, <laughs> Apolis Sliman says as he races across Massachusetts and New Hampshire, Donald Trump, I need a miracle or something. QAnon, help me. QAnon, help me. So sad. Uh, more sad, the 29-year-old man's five children, ages 13, 5, 2, 1, and 8 months, also in the car. We don't want to die, one of his daughters screams at one point. This might have been a reaction to their father's driving, uh, might have been a reaction to the fact that their father's telling them that the police are coming to abduct them. The mom reportedly jumped out of the car, afraid for uh, her life with her husband's behavior. That's kind of fucked up. I feel like Sorry, kids. Uh, Sliman eventually crashes. Luckily, his kids are not hurt. He faced multiple charges related to the uh, chase, right? Q did not help him. He's going to be in jail for a long time. From May to July of tw uh, 2020, there are 581 more Q drops. And what is Antifa up to around this time? What are they doing in the summer of 2020? According to the Center for Strategic and Inter International Studies, evidence from interactions with law enforcement and intelligence officials in multiple U.S. cities suggested that Antifa played a minor role in 2020 violence. The vast majority of looting, according to both government and non-government sources, appeared to come from local opportunists with no affiliation to any political objectives. Most were common criminals, you know, based on the, what they said after arrests and uh, what was able to be dug up about them. They were not people trying to be political revolutionaries. Or that's what the deep state wants you to believe, sheeple. There was significant disinformation and proliferation of fake accounts on social media platforms. For example, Twitter shut down several accounts it said were being operated by a white supremacist group called Identity Europa, which was posing as Antifa, and one fake account with the Twitter handle at, or yeah, at Antifa underscore US, Identity Europa members allegedly called for violence in white suburban areas in the name of Black Lives Matter. Tonight's the night, comrades, one tweet said, uh, with the brown raised fist emoji, tonight we say fuck the city, we move into the residential areas, the white hoods, we take what's ours. So Antifa may not be the threat many have made them out to be. Looking at the big picture based on a Center for Strategic and International Studies data set of 893 terrorist incidents in the U.S. between January of 94 and May of 2020, uh, right-wing terrorists perpetuated the majority, 57%, of all attacks and plots during this period, particularly those who were white supremacists, anti-government extremists, and involuntary celibates or incels. In comparison, left-wing extremists orchestrated 25% of the incidents during this period, followed by 15% from religious terrorists, 3% from ethno-nationalists, and 0.7% from terrorists with other motives. 25%. Uh, so still, that, that is a big chunk, but not all left-wing extremists are Antifa. Some of them are environmental activists, other organizations not associated with Antifa, as well as anarchists and the like. Okay, back to the world of QAnon. And again, I'm not trying to like slant this so hard. There's just, there actually really is not that much 
interesting info information on Antifa. Uh, a weird incident would take place on July 3rd, 2020. Corey Huron, a reservist in the Canadian Rangers, rammed a truck through the gates of the Canadian Prime Minister's residence in Ottawa. Huron was inside the grounds for 13 minutes before authorities spotted him. Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, wasn't home at the time. Uh, this would lead to Corey, uh, what led to Corey's break-in, pretty strange. An hour before Corey ran into the gates, Grindhouse Fine Foods, the sausage-making company Huron ran, posted a picture describing an outdoor party party that would, that would occur, excuse me, God, after the lockdown. It directed people to look up Event 201. The reference was to a conspiracy theory about Bill Gates, right? He was responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic. Huron's company also posted a QAnon meme to Instagram in March. Other commenters would say, has anyone else been following Q and the white rabbit down the rabbit hole and how this all relates to the corona, uh, coronavirus COVID-19 situation? And lots of coincidences in all these Q posts if this turns out to be a nothing burger. The Bill Gates is the devil narrative. It's so weird, right? I've, I know I've talked about it so much before. I, I, I just I just bet that Bill and his wife, Melinda, have given more money to charity than all of the people who think he's some satanic pedophile slash Illuminati population control orchestrator combined. From August to September 2020, Q makes another 179 drops. On August 12th, 2020, a Texas woman named Cecilia Fulbright arrested after chasing and then crashed into a car. Uh, the 30-year-old woman is arrested in Waco, Texas. Officer said Fulbright told him afterwards she believed that the driver of the car she hit was a pedophile and that she was rescuing a young girl from being trafficked. Her blood alcohol level at the time more than double the legal limit. Two of Fulbright's acquaintances told journalists she had become deeply obsessed with QAnon and talked frequently about how Trump was literally taking down the cabal in the pedophile ring. So now she's doing her part, just, you know, ramming cars. August 20th, 2020, during a press conference, Trump is asked about his opinion regarding QAnon. The president stated that he knew little about the conspiracy theory, uh, but acknowledged that they like me very much. Well, he wasn't lying about that. They do like him very much. Uh, also, can't talk about how politically irresponsible it was for other politicians to not denounce QAnon and not apply that same logic to Trump. No no part of me thinks that he didn't know what QAnon was. Uh, he should have denounced them. It was reckless and morally questionable at best not to do so. But he didn't. Why? Well, I think it's obvious because he did not. Uh, he didn't want to lose, you know, millions of votes. There were 148 Q drops in October of 2020. On November 3rd, 2020, despite intense predictions about Trump winning re-election and the storm coming to sweep away the cabal, Joe Biden's elected president of the U.S. It would actually take a few days for all the counts from various states to get in, but within a week, Joe Biden is declared victorious, and this kind of fucked up the vast majority of QAnon's predictions. This was a tougher pill for the Q world to swallow than Epstein's arrest not leading to shit. Q said over and over and over, God chose Trump to defeat the Satanists that he would remain in power to definitely, for sure, bring the storm. I know it didn't happen in the first term. It for sure is happening in the second term. And now he's lost. So does Q go away? Of course not. Logic not needed. They just adjust the same narrative, keep marching forward. And now people will die because of it. On December 14th, the Electoral College votes for their states, officially electing Joe Biden as the 46th president of the U.S. Q supporters say that this somehow actually works in the president's favor. Q honors are riled up, but Q actually goes uh, silent. No more drops, no more breadcrumbs. Uh, almost a month later, tired of waiting for more Q info, the Q universe decides to bring the storm themselves, right? The movement is taking an interesting step. They no longer need a leader to guide them. At this point, they feel like Q has given them all the clues they need to help go take, uh, you know, the cabal down to help their God, Donald Trump. January 6th, 2021, such a fucked up and embarrassing day for America. Two runoff elections that would determine control of the Senate still had not been decided. Trump had claimed that the Democratic Party had engaged in election fraud, and President Trump still hadn't conceded the election to Joe Biden. He did remark, Congress has certified the results. 
A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly, and seamless transition of power. On January 6th, crowds began forming early in the morning on the White House ellipse for Trump's Save America rally. At 8.17 a.m., President Trump tweets allegations of voter fraud ahead of his rally in D.C. At 10.58, members of the Proud Boy movement, a right-wing militia, seen heading towards the Capitol. Speaking to Newsnight's U.S. correspondent David Grossman, one member of the group says, we're taking our country back. At 11.50 near the White House, Donald Trump Jr. films the president and his inner circle backstage before his dad's speech. In a video uploaded to his Facebook page, right, they listen to the song Gloria. They're marveling at the size of the crowd. At noon, Trump's speech begins. During the speech, Trump continues to claim the election was rigged. Democrats have committed voter fraud. He works the crowd into a frenzy. Smaller demonstrations across the nation also flare up, forcing officials in several state houses to evacuate. About 15 minutes into his speech, Trump tells rally attendees to walk to the Capitol. He says, you have to show strength. Unreal. Could he have known what would happen next? No, he couldn't. Should he have said that? No, he should not have. At this moment, the Capitol grounds are protected by temporary perimeter fences. There are few officers equipped to defend them. Around 1217, supporters leave the rally in a steady stream before Mr. Trump's speech ends. They head toward the Capitol. By uh, 1230 p.m., crowds from uh, from the pro-Trump rally, many of them wearing QAnon attire, you can see that in the videos, uh, gathering outside the Capitol building. Here comes the fucking Q storm for real. By 1 p.m., an initial wave of protesters stormed the outer barricade west of the Capitol building as senators and Vice President Pence walked to the House chamber. At 1.05 p.m., Congress met in a joint session to confirm Joe Biden's win over the objections of some Republicans. Shortly before he opened the session, Pence released a letter saying he wouldn't intervene in Congress's electoral count. He said, my oath to support and defend the Constitution constrains me from claiming unilateral authority. And QAnoners do not like that shit one bit. At 1.10 p.m., Trump ends his speech by saying, we fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. Huh. Sounds to me like he for sure incites a riot right there. Shortly afterwards, a Capitol Police officer calls for backup. They're throwing metal poles at us, he says. Multiple law enforcement injuries, he says in a panicked voice. Capitol Police send an evacuation warning. At 1.12 p.m., Republicans led by uh, Representative Paul A. Gazer from Arizona and Senator Ted Cruz from Texas object to certifying Arizona's Electoral College votes. The joint session then separates into House and Senate chambers to debate the objection. The crowd outside, a bunch of political posturing. Uh, the crowd outside the building grows larger, eventually overtaking Capitol Police, making their way up the steps. Meanwhile, suspicious packages, later confirmed to be fucking pipe bombs, found at Republican National Committee headquarters and at Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, so a lot of people forget is the QAnon crowd, they have fucking turned on the Republicans and the Democrats. Well, they always hated the Democrats. Now they're against Republicans. It's just they've turned on anybody, right, who is not just, you know, uh, supporting Trump like a cult member supports their cult leader. Uh, nearby buildings are evacuated. Around 145, protesters surge past Capitol Police protecting the West Steps, the side facing the White House. Minutes later, an officer declares that there is a riot at the Capitol. We're going to give riot warnings, he says. We're going to try and get compliance, but this is now effectively a riot. Meanwhile, Vice President Pence continuing to preside over the session. At 2.13, Secret Service quickly and suddenly evacuate Mr. Pence from the Senate floor. Minutes later, the QAnon mob, many of them well-known in the Q community, breach the Capitol, breaking windows. They kick open the doors to let others in. Some wear hoods and helmets. Others hold cameras and Confederate flags. One dude wears his, you know, fucking weird horns. That fucking idiot. Uh, a minute later, Officer Eugene Goodman runs to respond to the initial breach. He warns Senator Mitt Romney that the mob is approaching. Mr. Romney turns and runs through the Capitol hallway to safety. I think Romney legitimately almost got murdered that day. 
They came so close to getting him. He'd been so vocal for so long in his disdain of Trump. That Q mob, had they gotten a hold of him, I think they would have at least beating the sh- beaten the shit out of him, if not straight up killed him. Uh, the mob, a floor below them, had already begun to search for the Senate chamber. Officer Goodman makes his way down to the first floor where he encounters the mob. By that point, the rioters are within 100 feet of Mr. Pence and a foot away from one of the doors of the chamber. Many senators still inside. Pence could have also easily died that day. At 2.20 p.m., both houses of Congress adjourn and start to evacuate as rioters force their way further into the Capitol. Right at the same time, Senate House Minority Leader Pelosi is rushed from the House floor. She is evacuated entirely from the Capitol complex to a secure off-site location. Rioters are chanting, where are you, Nancy? In an audio clip, we hear one staff member whisper, they're pounding on the doors trying to find her. They would have for sure, in my mind, killed Pelosi. No question. One man breaks open the outer door to the office where the staff are hiding, but not the inner door. Another tries as well, but eventually moves on. Pence is removed to a secure location. Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell sends a text to his wife, I love you and the babies. Please hug them for me. The mob outside the chamber grows larger. They get within feet of the house door. At 2.24 p.m., Donald tweets, Mike Pence didn't have the courage to do what should have been done to protect our country and our constitution, giving states a chance to certify a corrected set of facts, not the fraudulent or inaccurate ones, which they were asked to previously certify. USA demands the truth. That is all based on nothing. Almost like Trump is fanning the riot flames here when he should have been trying to fucking save people's lives. It's like he went out of his way to make the most disgraceful exit from the White House in U.S. presidential history by far. You know, I try not to be too partisan on the show. You know I do, but God damn it, you got to call out horrific behavior when it's this fucking blatantly just malicious and terrible. Even if you love Trump up to this point, no part of me understands how any American could be proud of what he did that day, of his actions that day. Ugh. 14 minutes later, he tweets, please support our Capitol Police and law enforcement. Uh-huh. They're truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Uh, too little, too late. At 3.13 p.m., Trump tweets, I'm asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Uh-huh. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Okay. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. You know, officers will, will die because of uh, this riot. Uh, at some point before 3.15 p.m., Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran, an avid Trump supporter, shot by Capitol Police while trying to get into the speaker's lobby. Authorities later discover she was fucking way into QAnon. Her love for Q, love for Trump, got her killed. At 3.36 p.m., White House Press Secretary Kaylee McCaney tweets that the National Guard and federal forces are on their way to the U.S. Capitol. Why weren't they there already? Uh, 4.05 p.m., Biden calls on Trump to demand an end to the siege. At 4.17 p.m., Trump tweets a video telling rioters that he loves them and urges them to go home. Maybe could have left out the, the loves them part. Trump continues to falsely claim that the election was stolen and says that he understands how demonstrators feel. My God, he's couldn't let it go. Like a dog to a bone. Uh, 4.18 p.m., Maryland and Virginia send National Guard and state troopers to Washington. Around the same time, John Ossoff uh, defeats David Perdue uh, in the Georgia Senate, run- Senate runoff, giving Democrats control of the Senate. Around 5.40 p.m., police begin to clear the Capitol as rioters are pushed back and the interior is secured. Congressional leaders announce they will proceed with the electoral vote tally. Most of the 69 people arrested Wednesday afternoon through early Thursday were on curfew and unlawful entry charges. Five people died in the Capitol insurrection, including one Capitol police officer. Brian D. Sicknick, the police officer, joined the Capitol police force in 2008. So I misspoke earlier. I said multiple, but yeah. Uh, And had Q never existed and dropped anything, had Trump vocally and strongly denounced QAnon as an absurd and dangerous theory earlier, I firmly believe those five people would still be alive today. Uh, Around 3.40 a.m., more than 13 hours after the Capitol was breached, Vice President Pence officially affirms the election results declaring Biden the winner. 
that was some brave shit after all Pence had been through that day. Even if you re- don't like Pence's political policies, dude was fucking brave. Dude was courageous on the 6th. He got thrown under the bus harder than any VIP, or VIP, uh, any VP in history that day, and, and it didn't break him. I, I was impressed. In the days that followed, shaken and angry members of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, demand that Trump take responsibility for inciting violence. He did not. He never will. I think we all know that. Uh, whether you, No matter what you feel about him, I think you know that. Apologies, not his strong suit. Uh, the storming of the U.S. Capitol, the media panic about insurrection, the national shock and horror at which uh, what was transpiring. What did it mean for QAnon? Some QAnoners claimed that it wasn't QAnon who stormed the Capitol. It was Antifa. They were doing a false flag operation. They were trying to make QAnon look bad. But then shortly after the riot, the FBI directly refuted that conspiracy theory, saying that there was no indication Antifa was involved. The whole Antifa did it theory, uh, pretty easy to debunk. When you look at all the investigations that found uh, that the chat networks, you know, like Parler and Gab were literally filled with QAnon accounts uh, from people who, you know, posted pictures. I mean, the pictures of the people in these accounts were the same people at the Capitol. Uh, they've been fantasizing about storming the Capitol and killing people like Pelosi for, for weeks, for months. Uh, you know, talk as far as the fantasizing about killing her. One man charged in the riot, Joseph Randall Biggs, an army veteran and organizer in the Proud Boys hate group. Uh, encouraged others to travel to Washington, D.C. for the January 6th rally with specific instructions. He told them to dress in colors, according to court documents. He allegedly directed an online message at Antifa groups, whose members are known for wearing black to counter protests. Uh, Biggs allegedly wrote on Parler on December 29th, we will be blending in as one of you. You won't see us. You'll even think we are you. We are going to smell like you, move like you, and look like you. The only thing we'll do that's us is think like us. QAnon believer Ashley Babbitt, uh, who was the woman that was shot and killed by police as she attempted to break into the House of Representatives chamber, uh, was denounced by QAnon influencers as an Antifa imposter. They would also call her a crisis actor who was not really dead. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, her family would say she had been obsessed with QAnon for months, like really obsessed. She was not Antifa. She was not a crisis actor. She was an Air Force veteran who served in Afghanistan and Iraq. She loved America. She loved Trump. Uh, and then she found QAnon. During the pandemic, while she was struggling financially, trying to keep a pool uh, supply company afloat, she had some anger issues. She'd attacked her husband's ex-girlfriend to the point that woman had, uh, you know, had to contact the police. She was troubled. She was desperate. She thought the world was fucked up. She bought all the QAnon drop lies. She thought evil, satanic politicians were raping and killing kids. All that Q bullshit got her so fucking worked up, she got herself killed. In the days after the insurrection, Trump would finally concede to Biden on video. But because he didn't use the actual word concede, he left the door open for QAnon believers. To see that is an invitation to assume he will somehow regain power. Fun. On January 20th, 2021, Joe Biden is inaugurated as the 46th president of the U.S. Getting real hard now for QAnon believers to keep thinking Trump is going to stay in power or reclaim power. Doubts finally start to creep in. They finally start to lose a lot of their membership. Uh, Hopefully many of them, you know, return to the lives they were leading before becoming obsessed with Q maybe rebuilding some bridges they burned. Uh, of course, there were there were still some who refused to let go. Still, Joe M., that QAnon social media ambassador we talked about earlier, he wrote that he was still in the midst of a second revolutionary war. Our General Washington is President Trump, he wrote. But the moment weary soldiers hear something they don't understand, they put down their muskets and go home. This is the Delaware. It's a stone throw away. Hold the line. Get back in the damn Durham. Let's finish this. What the fuck? We would later write that everything was part of the plan. Well, some fucking plan, you clown. Worst plan ever. The storm never came. It's never going to come. There's no storm. 
Trump was deplatformed. Hanks is still making movies. No satanic cabal that doesn't exist uh, was taken down. Just more satanic panic bullshit. Just won't ever go away. Nothing Q said, you know, of note ever came true. After years of misinformation, years of driving deluded Americans around by their noses, uh, 5,000 drops and dozens of real world repercussions, including a few murders, kidnappings, other terrorist acts. Q's gone. No more drops. And with that, let's jump out of today's Time Suck timeline. Good job, soldier. You've made it back. Barely. Crazy shit, huh? QAnon and Antifa. Neither one are really organizations. They're belief systems. And one is for sure crazier than the other. Uh, There's some nobility right, to the core of standing up against fascism. Well, personally, I have no interest in, uh, you know, anarchist and, you know, communist far-left ideas that also that often creep into Antifa. I do like the punchy neo-Nazis part. Uh, harder to find something to like about QAnon, but there is something I really like about it. Not even kidding. Uh, as, as crazy as all the QAnon lore is, and hear me out on this, I do think, the QAnon believers, I do think in, in a way their hearts were in the right place. Seriously. I mean, if you do believe, for whatever reason, doesn't matter the reason that a bunch of satanic globalists really are trying to kidnap and fuck and torture kids. It would be immoral not to try to help them, wouldn't it? Like the claims of QAnon are outrageous and insane and nonsensical. But I do feel bad for a lot of people, desperate and afraid people who got sucked up into that mess and ruined their lives for whatever reason. I even feel bad for some of the Capitol writers, right? After having time to reflect on it. Truly, I, I think a lot of them really thought they were trying to save kids. And now many of them are sitting in prison awaiting trials. You know, a couple are dead. 420 of them have been arrested so far. And Q will not save a single one of them. Neither will Trump. Trump will not get into any trouble for this. Neither will uh, whoever the fuck Q is. But the supporters, yeah, a lot of their lives are ruined. That's some sad shit. Is QAnon gone now in any meaningful sense? Probably. Just like it was a reincarnation of Pizzagate, though, it will keep showing up in different forms. Same old story. You know, shadow cabal, elite globalists. You know, people are doing horrible shit to kids, worshiping the devil, blah, blah, blah. Antifa groups seem quiet right now. Have they gone away? No, they'll keep showing up. Uh, Some will keep punching fascists. Others will keep using the guise of Antifa to burn and destroy. Uh, Or people, they'll punch people they perceive as fascists. How do we collectively keep uh, shit like the Capitol raid from happening again? Well, I don't know if we can. Uh, Best we can, best we can do is just try and think critically, right? Uh, We can openly denounce dangerous conspiratorial insanity, even when it comes from the leader of our country in some way. We keep making uh, fun of these bogus theories about child sex trafficking and global cabals. And uh, probably most importantly, you know, we keep we keep our eyes on Tom Hanks. You know, we just wait for him to slip up so we can finally take down that fucking evil bosom buddies, Forrest Gump, Toy Story motherfucker down, right? Let's get into some top five takeaways. Time suck. Top five takeaways. Number one, the main point of the whole QAnon paradigm is that Q and Trump were out to save kids from satanic sex rings run by elites. Reasons for this child sex trafficking are all over the map, but one prominent theory was that satanic elites wanted to harvest a drug produced by adrenaline called adrenochrome to stay eternally young. Number two, QAnon gets its name from its leader Q, a mysterious figure or a group of people who first showed up on 4chan, claimed to have a high level inside government position, a Q level of security clearance, uh, where they were able to find out about all the shit that they would post in the Q drops. Number three, QAnon believers actually come from all sorts of backgrounds, young, old, men, women, cis, non-binary, former Bernie bros, conservatives alike. Q has united, or did unite, some strange bedfellows. Number four, Antifa has a long and interesting history. 
It's a leaderless group, so its action and style, not its doctrine, is what unites them. And while I admire them aggressively standing up to people like skinheads, I do understand why many don't look up to them or like them or are afraid of them. Hard to be a small business or property owner and love somebody who might be an anarchist or communist in addition to being anti-fascist. Number five, new info. You'll likely see the term red-pilled floating around when discussing QAnon, Antifa, and the general intersection of conspiracy theorists and politics these days. Do you know what it means? Subscribers to QAnon are often said to have taken the red pill. It's a reference to The Matrix. Movie starring Keanu Reeves, in which the hero is presented with a choice. Take the red pill and see the world as it really is, or take the blue pill and stay ignorant. QAnon thinkers think that they are seeing the world as it really is, but the term backfires on them if you get a little bit meta with it. There's a fundamental flaw to their analogy. The Matrix is a work of fiction. When Reeves takes the red pill, he does not see the world as it really is. He sees a dramatic, intense, and imaginary world that the filmmakers have created. Life is not a movie. I feel like QAnon believers have a hard time with that, right? No matter how much you want it to be, it's not a movie. QAnon believers who took the red pill did not start seeing the world as it really was. They started seeing some dystopian Hollywood film version of reality where they made themselves Neo, star of the show. Time suck. Top five takeaways. QAnon and Antifa have been sucked. The QAnon shit really pulled me in this week. So much crazy to get lost in. Still hard to believe that that conspiracy, a conspiracy that crazy, is what led to storming the U.S. Capitol. Wow. Uh, don't get lost in the wrong echo chambers, meat sacks. They can really fuck up your life or get you killed. Thank you to the Bad Magic Productions team for all the help in making time suck. Queen of Bad Magic, Lindsay Cummins, Reverend Doctor, Joe Paisley, the script keeper, Zach Flannery, Sophie, the fact sorceress, Evans, Bit Elixir, Logan, Art Warlock, Keith, running badmagicmerch.com, working on our socials along with Liz Hernandez, still waiting for the original Cult of the Curious private Facebook group to either be killed or brought back from social media death. Cult of the Curious 2, alive, active, growing, easy to find, like a phoenix from the ashes that is reborn. I uh, hope you're having fun in there. Uh, or if you're not, get, in, get, get on in there. Thanks, thanks to Liz Hernandez and our all-seeing eyes running it, and thanks to Beefsteak running Discord. Next week, the Spacers have spoken, and uh, their their vote was for the dark history of Jameson's Irish whiskey. It's going to be a random uh, episode, going to be a random topic. How dark is this history? On one level, the history of Irish whiskey and of Jameson is rife with struggles and setbacks as humanity faced just about every major circumstance possible. Famine, trade wars, world wars, prohibition movements, and more. Irish whiskey producers struggled against taxes. Priests who didn't take the good people of Ireland to get drunk or didn't want them to get drunk. Uh, so much more to get their products out. And on another level, there may be a secret dark history that blows all that other shit out of the water. Story of James S. Jameson, the OG Jameson's great-grandson allegedly purchasing a young enslaved Congolese girl to be consumed by cannibals while he was on an expedition in 1888. Varying accounts exist of the incident from Jameson's diary, his wife, a translator on the trip, what they all agree on is that by June of 1888, an enslaved girl was purchased and eaten while Jimmy watched. What the fuck? It would create quite the scandal for Ireland's famous whiskey brand. But is it true? Uh, if it is true, just exactly what did happen in, in that jungle. Uh, also going to take a break from people eating to delve into whiskey's more than 1,000-year-old history, talk about some of the different kinds of whiskey, learn about this fascinating beverage that has had so many of us thrown up outside of bars or praying to the porcelain gods. Let's get wasted. Shot, shot, shot. Or just have a nice old-fashioned. Or maybe nice, you know, whiskey ginger. Uh, next week on Time Suck. And now let's head over to this week's Time Sucker updates. Updates. Get your Time Sucker updates. Uh, real quick before I go into the updates, we had an issue with our servers. 
uh, between April 12th and 15th. If you sent in an email during that time span, you probably didn't get a response. We were able to pull the messages into a spreadsheet from the server, but it's not in an easy to read or reply form. So please send whatever questions you had if you had any problems. Uh, you know, if you haven't heard back, that's that's why. Send them, send it in again. Sorry about that. So apologies for the inconvenience. So maybe not as many updates today. It's a long story, but it was much trickier than normal to sort through them or even read them due to tech issues. So more next week. For now, let's get started uh, with a message about the devil's lettuce from uh, De- devil's lettuce loving sucker, John T., right? Coming in about drugs, drugs, drugs. John writes, Hello, Suckmaster and crew. First off, thank you for all the shows. They make my work days better. That's nice. Secondly, after the El Chapo episode, I just wanted to add my own experience with drugs. Growing up, I was sucked into the dare world and anyone who did drugs, mainly weed, was a gosh dang hooligan. I get it. After marrying my wife, I found out, found out there are so many more people that smoke the devil's lettuce and are still functioning members of society that I knew about. It was a bit of an eye-opener. I've been brainwashed into thinking the other way. After getting out of the Navy, I decided to give this a shot and wouldn't you know it, I didn't die immediately or start doing heroin. It was more fun for me than drinking because I could function perfectly fine the next day instead of being hungover. That being said, I've become an advocate for decriminalizing weed and treating it like someone would alcohol. Apologize if this is a rambling string of thoughts. Just wanted to add to the list of people who feel the same about drugs as you. Thank you uh, again for all you and your crew do. Well, thank you, John T. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, there's, And there's so many benefits. Like alcohol... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it'll make me feel like better, I guess, in the short term. But but overall, it doesn't make me feel great. And I and I like and I love alcohol. <laughs> but with uh, with weed, nothing helps me sleep better than weed. Especially if I have some like back pain going on, or like I messed my knee up last year a little bit, and it was just uh, the just kind of the knee pain would kind of wake me up. But if I took uh, an edible, I would sleep right through it, and I would feel so refreshed the next day. It really can't actually help a lot of people. And uh, and and by the way, with these messages, uh, I, I think we probably lost some. I don't want to just read ones. From people who agree with me, if you disagree, I would love to hear about it. Uh, we do have another agreement one, though, right now. Another drug-related message from concerned sucker Ben Goldstein, who writes, I wrote my master's thesis on policy reform. I think they should all be legalized. There are a lot of solid logical reasons to legalize, but here's my most human reason. I keep having friends die from accidental fentanyl overdoses. Oh, my God, it's terrible. Four in the last three years. At the start of 2019, I myself got some shit laced with fentanyl, but was lucky enough to get narcan under prohibition, there's no regulation. Fuck that. End the drug war, save lives. Sure, no harm, uh, no harms that come along with drug use, like addiction and overdose, are addressed by prohibition whatsoever. Instead of fixing these, bans create so many new problems, like mass incarceration, the militarization of police, formation of cartels, and so on. The tax revenue would be outlandish as well. But at the end of the day, I want my friends to be able to get unadulterated substances and not die. And that should really be enough of a reason for anyone, or so I'd hoped. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And that's, yeah, that's one of the reasons I want it to be regulated. If you, I just think that with vice in general, if it's not going to go away, if you can't stop it, well, then why can't you just make it safer? To me, that's just logical. But again, ah, don't live in a logical world. Now, shame sucker Scott Swift got Cummins Law. He writes, Dan, you magnificent, sneaky son of a bitch. You got me good. This happened a while back, right after the great Yumi Warsuck was released. I may never live it. I may never live it down. I have an overwhelming concern about being hit by the old Cummins Law. I take extreme measures to make sure I don't fall victim to it, such as switching to another podcast after listening to Time Sucks so I don't get caught inadvertently, keeping my phone on silent, keeping the volume on the podcast app way down, etc. So far, I've been successful in avoiding public embarrassment until now, you dick. <laughs> so I am publicly, I am, <laughs> I am a publicly elected member of my community hospital's board of directors. This is great. 
We have public meetings once a month where we receive financial reports, guide overall direction, and help ensure that the hospital is providing the best service it can for a small town. Right now, we're in the beginning stages of building a new facility that will be a vast improvement to the 60-year-old campus we are currently in. So not only do we have administrators, doctors, support staff, and town residents in our meetings, we also have high-level engineers and architects that participate in these meetings to give updates on how the planning is going. At one point during our last meeting, there was a pause to get one of the architects on a conference call. So we are sitting and waiting. The room is pretty quiet. So I pulled up my phone and opened up Instagram. As soon as I opened up the app, <laughs> it picked up where I closed it on a video of you describing the use of the word cunt in Australia. And with the volume on full blast, a room with about 10 people in a conference call with two different construction firms heard as clear as day, you say in an Australian accent, does anyone, <laughs> does any, does anyone want to turkey lag, you fucking cunt? fucking fuckwit. <laughs> now everyone is staring straight at me as I realize what had just happened and I panicked and tried to close my phone. In that panic, I hit the close button on the side of my iPhone repeatedly to try and get you to shut the fuck up and your voice stops. And suddenly I look down on my phone to realize that since I'd hit the side button so many times in quick succession, it fucking dialed 911. <laughs> so now I'm calling the cops because of you. Apparently that's a setting on my phone I didn't even know I had. So I hit the end button to try to salvage what's left of my dignity. Come to find out when you hang up on 911, they call you back real quick to make sure it's not a real emergency. So in the middle of this meeting, I now have to answer the phone and tell the 911 operator that it was a mistake that I called her. And I receive a small ass chewing for calling emergency services when it's not an emergency. All of this, all because of you and my failure to maintain my anti-Cummins law practices to all platforms you have invaded on my phone. No harm was done, and it turned out just being an embarrassing moment for me that I uh, figured you, the team, and the rest of the cult would get kicked out of. <laughs> Thanks for the awesome material you put out, and for God's sake, when things open back up, get your ass to Houston so I can come see you. Keep on sucking, Scott Swift. Oh, thanks, Scott. I, I love uh, shows in Texas. Oh, man, Houston's a secret group. That's a, that was been a fun venue. I was going to be somewhere else the next time, just uh, a little bit, I don't know, bigger spot before it all shut down. We'll see, but I'll be coming back to Houston, I'm sure. Uh, now going to try my hand at playing Cupid. For sweet sucker, Heather Donahue, hopefully this doesn't backfire. Heather writes, I done fucked up, Dan. I hope this message reaches you well. I'm a fairly new time sucker. I've never written into anything before, but desperate times call for desperate measures. First, I love the podcast. My coworker suggests it and I fought it for a while because I never considered myself a podcast listener. But now I'm hooked and I'm going back to all prior episodes. What's this big deal? <laughs> so about me, I'm going on 35 this year. I've been single well over five years now. I've been on and off the dating apps for years. I've been on a few dates, but nothing ever transpired. There was a guy I went to high school with on one of the apps. I passed him up every time he came up. One day I just said, fuck it. And why not? I swiped right. A few days later, to my surprise, he swiped right too. So we matched. I sent the first message and turns out we had quite a bit in common, including Gasp, our love for Dan Cummins. His exact words were, we're going to get along just fine. He even suggested if you came back to St. Louis, we, could, we would have to go. I felt like we had a connection. Things were going well, but my younger, weaker, I'm not worthy self, oh no. Came creeping in. I managed to convince myself that he wasn't interested in me because I wasn't him. The time was wrong. It wasn't going to work. So naturally, I spiraled out of control. I pushed him away. I can't help but feeling like I really fucked up. Talk about a good dude. Good personality. Super smart. Not bad looking if I might add. Huge dick. No, oh, just kidding. No. <laughs> I thought about going to some crazy thing. Uh, gets me so wet. No, <laughs> she didn't say those things. I can't promise it wouldn't happen again, but maybe over time I can get to a better place myself where I finally realize I'm worthy, yes, of being a happy motherfucker just as much as any other. If you can give a shout out to said dude, I really appreciate it. Maybe put in a good word for me. As the master of the suck, I feel that though is your duty to help bring us meat sacks together. Just keep on sucking. Dan, hail Lucifina, praise Bojangles, Heather. All right. So this, this person you're trying to reach, you don't listen, you don't list his name, but I'm guessing he, he if he listens... 
He will, he will know his name, get him to listen to this episode. And then you hit up Heather, email her, Heather Donahue at AOL.com. Hit her up. She's interested. You guys have known each other, right? You went to school together. You have a lot in common. Go on a date, motherfucker. Or stop listening to the podcast. You fucking Satanist piece of shit. So it's one of those things. Heather, now you know, if he doesn't hit you up, he's part of the cabal, right? He's part of the fucking people who should have been stormed or whatever. Uh, but Heather, I hope it works out for you. And I will say, don't wait too long, right? If, if he doesn't hit you up soon, get out there. Get to swiping. Life's short. Uh, and that's it. Uh, sorry about the short, less messages. Again, uh, please hit us back if you didn't hear back from us. Uh, it took Bitelixer several days, several long phone calls with GoDaddy, but they were able to get our server issue sorted out. All the messages are coming through like normal again. Uh, and it's because of some, some little, uh, little feature we have coming out soon. Uh, anyway, thank you. Hail Nimrod. I'm rambling. I didn't get enough sleep because I was too obsessed with QAnon. I'm going to get out of here. Next time, suckers. I needed that. We all did. Thanks for listening to this Bad Magic Productions podcast, Meat Sacks. Please don't get worked up. This week in about an elite cabal of globalist satanic pedophiles that, you know, make you want to raid the Capitol or start hanging out with Tom Hanks or something else evil. Just turn away from all that darkness, you know, and just, uh, just try and keep on sucking. so tired. Oh my God. I should be tired. I'm 87 years old, I guess. I'm feeling like it today. Hey, Joe, I need a baby. I need a baby, man. Here you go. Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, I need a knife. I need a knife. Oh boy. Oh baby. Baby, are you scared, baby? Are you scared, baby? Are you scared, baby? Woo. Feeling like Tom Hanks. Hey mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.